What's up, guys? It's the Vickers Q&A again. All right, quick update before we get started answering all of the questions. I am looking for some more staff. One person to help me with my website. I want to complete the redesign and a potential uh, upgrade on WordPress regarding a membership section. So if you're a WordPress wizard, contact me at info at vigorsteve.com. I want it a little bit more modern. Obviously, the graphics and all the functionality has to be run, uh, redone a little bit. Um, and then maybe some instructions to uh, maintain it myself. This website that I currently have, I made myself, but it's slow and it looks old. And some of the graphics aren't very representative of uh, what I currently look like. Uh, and even though I'm, I'm way too busy to learn it myself. So if any of you guys are WordPress wizards out there, um, hit me up info at vigorsteve.com. And I'm also looking for somebody who is a thumbnail slash photoshop slash um, artificial intelligence wizard and also knows his ways around uh, magics, which is uh, basically Sony Vegas, the editing software or Adobe Premiere. So I'm looking for somebody to help me manage the clips channel where uh, the large majority of the content that I have now needs to be split up or whether that's coming from the vigorous Q&A or some uh, previous shorts and reels or some uh, previous content that is a little bit too lengthy for um, you know, the, the goldfish audience at seven second uh, memory. So I want to split everything up, but it also means that, uh, you know, everything needs to have a spicy thumbnail to incentivize people to click. So I most of all need somebody who's very familiar with, um, you know, uh, what is it? Uh, Adobe Photoshop and knows how is, uh, how to use AI, right? To speed up that process. So if you're very good at making thumbnails and you also know how to, uh, clip, clip up pre-existing content then uh, by all means hit me up at info at vigorsteve.com and let's see if we can work together now for the wordpress wizard and the, the thumbnail wizard i need somebody with a lot of experience I, this is not a job where you can learn on the job you're either good or you don't apply because the last time i asked uh, for an editor and i got like 10 guys who are just starting out and looking to work with me but they're not really good or exceptional at what they're doing that's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for somebody who can start right away, knows what to do, can work autonomous, autonomously with as little as instruction as possible so it doesn't burden me alongside of it. I mean, it takes me enough time just to kind of manage these videos as they are. So another Clips channel, another website, right? I want you to work by yourself and for that you need experience. So if you're really good at what you're doing and you're confident, apply info at vigorsteve.com. Okay, um, besides that, let's see a couple of things i want to uh, mention to you guys and that's already down below in the description section i did two collaborations on uh, mark bell uh podcast or Ma what is it chris bell or mark bell's man i forgot let's see which youtube channel they got like four channels over there uh, this is on mark bell super ch uh, super training so there's two videos which were posted there in case you haven't watched that there's one where i open up about steroids and another one about the 10 uh, steroid commandments I'd give those a watch. They're linked down below. If you've missed them, I'd get those views up. And then in the previous um, Vigors q and I list all of the latest podcast collaborations that I did. Those are already in the description section also. Uh, what else? Oh, yeah. Where is the Entrepreneur Nootropics Deep Dive Video Series Part 2 discussing the neurotransmitters? Well, I thought it was going to be 45 minutes. And then, and then... Uh, it turned out to be over one and a half hours. <laughs> so 
I had to split it up into four chapters and re uh, retake, you know, the endings and the introductions to kind of make it make sense. So instead of having a one and a half hour video that will drop at the end of December, I'm going to release chapters of part two. Um, so the next one will be Monday, right? My editor is finalizing that today, uh, Saturday. So hopefully it will be done by Monday. And then uh, every single week throughout December, you'll have a video about entrepreneurial optimization regarding neurotransmitters and neurotransmitter uh, modulation within the brain with simple over-the-counter supplements. And if you follow through with that, it's very simple. If you follow through with all the building blocks and the precursors, um, you don't need 20 milligrams of Adderall or 50 milligrams methylene blue or 200 milligrams of modafinil or I don't know how many milligrams of paracetam, right? You can get away with a low dose, which is what I always recommend to you guys. A low dose goes a very long way if and only if your neurotransmitter synthesis is optimized. Okay, so that will be four parts dropping every single week on Monday, December going forward. And that's pretty much all the updates. Oh, no, 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 that's not true. And next week will also be the Man Medicine podcast, Andrew, Andrew Wingy, uh, Wing, Wing, yeah, Andrew Wingy. Um, I did a podcast collaboration with him last week. So that's off to the editors that will drop somewhere next week. Um, I was, uh, it was a really fun, uh, laid back conversation about fertility and just the overall state of the American healthcare system and, uh, you know, the pressure that younglings are under nowadays and what kind of patients Andrew sees on a daily basis. Very, very interesting conversation. Okay. Man, my mouth is freaking dry, but that's a lot of consultations for you today. Hmm. We're still going to make it work. Not so many questions this week. So let's just get into it, and then we're going to go public. Darius asks, Steve, uh, why did I get less IGF-1 on blood work after finishing a genotropin pen from anabolic pharmacist, 400 nanograms per milliliter, then with a locally sourced generic 500 nanograms per milliliter? Uh, both tested at three IUs per night. Okay, so there could be uh, a moment in time difference. Could be cofactors regarding your serum estrogen levels. Could be cofactors regarding your nighttime growth hormone release. Could be, um, you know, maybe a difference in the measuring time, right? I mean, both readings are good, I would say. But yeah, a 20% fluctuation, that is very, very appealing, of course. But it's a systemic IGF-1 and not a localized IGF-1. So um, as an example, right, if you do uh, IGF-1 subcutaneously, it's going to work everywhere, right, on your adipose tissue, on your skeletal muscle, and on your organs as well. But if you inject it intramuscularly, uh, then it's predominantly going to work into the muscle that, it's, that you just injected it in. And it also means that if you switch intramuscular injection sites, let's say you did the uh, genotropin pen intramuscularly differently compared to your locally sourced generic and a lesser amount of that IGF-1 spilled into the bloodstream where you can detect it through a serum test, then you get a little bit bamboozled because now you think, shit, serum IGF-1 levels are fucking low. It's not working. Maybe it's a genotropin that the growth hormone that you just injected mostly acts locally doesn't go systemic and doesn't raise systemic IGF-1 levels as much as it did uh, with localized effects, right? Again, a lot of things contribute here. So um, I would say if it's working, it's working. And if you feel that these numbers on paper are uh, quite different, then, well, uh, go with the best deal, 
I would say, and then, you know, see what gives you the best uh, overall response. Because again, these are just numbers on paper. Personally, I would stick with genotropin, even, even if my serum IGF-1 levels are lower, um, because it's probably higher purity of GH, and you would assume you would get a better growth hormone response than the locally sourced generic. Or maybe it's because the genotropin pen, right, the concentration is lower, or higher, sorry, the GH concentration to the water that you're injecting is higher, and thus uh, maybe less disperses into, uh, you know, the bloodstream, right? So there's a lot of things you have to uh, keep into consideration here. Um, but if you're happy with your 500 nanogram per milliliter uh, local or systemic IGF-1, you get a good response for that, uh, go with your locally sourced generics, it's probably cheaper also. All right, John Prather asks, what is the me mechanism that can cause lethargy on cycle? Um, well, it's not necessarily the steroids, uh, besides that, you know, you have some glucocorticoid receptor interaction and the re reduction of uh, thyroid binding globulins and thus freeing, or freeing up more thyroid uh, hormones and maybe uh, promoting the conversion of that. So thus lowering overall thyroid hormone levels and thus you have less energy. Uh, it could be uh, increased androgenic burden and now if the skeletal muscle is taking the recovery capability away from your brain and thus you feel more lethargic could be a, a serotonin, dopamine, norepinephrine, epinephrine level depletion, right? Because your skeletal muscle is taking all the nutrients away from your uh, central nervous system. Uh, it could be that you're just training 10 times harder than before, and thus it makes you sleepy and uh, tired. A growth hormone can have some sedating effect. Uh, it could be that you're uh, secretly uh, overtrained or that you're a little bit sickly, right? I mean, if your liver has impaired function and overall a nutrient turnover, then you feel lethargic also. So it, it could be a multitude of different things, John. Yeah, it could be a multitude of th different things. Like if I'm on cycle and I don't train phenomenally hard, I keep a couple of reps in reserve and I eat in a caloric surplus and I make sure that I get all of my micronutrients in, not really lethargic, uh, lethargic, but if I start escalating the dose upwards to a gram of steroids or two grams of steroids, even if I do everything right and I sleep a lot, I'll be lethargic and I put a little bit of growth hormone in and then I'll be severely sedated to the point I can't really function during the day. So those days are kind of behind me. Uh, or at least that's what I keep telling myself, uh, but you never really know, right? I mean, uh, maybe uh, Bitcoin goes to the moon and I don't really have to work so much anymore and I can just kick back and chill and watch uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And then, uh, yeah, maybe a two-gram cycle is in the cards for me again. But for now, I would say I want to focus on business. So if I do go back on cycle, it will just be TRT so I can manage the, manage the lethargy and, um, yeah, be as productive as possible. Next one from Mudasar asks, Hey, Steve, over the course of this year, my sexual binding globulin has dropped from 14 to 10 nanomoles per liter to six currently. Wow. Uh, I am on 625 milligrams testosterone anatate per week, 300 milligrams mastron per week, 76 milligrams trim per week. That there, um, parabolin, trimbolone, hexahydrobenzocarbonate, I'm assuming. Uh, 100 micrograms T4, two I use growth hormone, estradiol is 65 picograms per milliliter. Apart from low libido, is there anything else to worry about about a low SHBG? Okay, so, uh, well, he's not asking us to improve his SHBG, but basically, you know, with less uh, sex hormone binding globulin receptor complex potential, right, because you need SHBG to bind to the receptor complex, and if an androgen is in there, whether that's the testosterone or the mastron or the trembolone, um, 
you know, or a, a diet of testosterone converting from testosterone, then you have less cyclic adenosine monophosphate concentrations in uh, the cytoplasm of the cell within the cell. That's what keep it simple. And then the cyclic adenosine monophosphate cannot um, contribute to androgen mediated gene transcription or estrogen-mediated gene transcription. I mean, that's what cyclic adenosine monophosphate does. It basically provides energy, right? So it's a, it's a store of energy, to put it simply. So if the stores of energy in your skeletal muscle are less, then the potential turnover of, uh, you know, DNA synthesis into RNA and then RNA synthesis into uh, messenger proteins, right, and protein folding and all that stuff, if that is less, um, then besides the reduction in libido, you might also have less of an anabolic response. And this is generally speaking, where you see people make more gains in the beginning of their cycle where SHBG is higher and their uh, energy burden has been reduced compared to later in the cycle when SHBG is reduced. Now, um, you know, so so you have to look into the total picture, right? Will you still be anabolic with an SHBG with six? Yes, of course, because again, we're measuring uh, sexual binding globulin in the um, in the bloodstream, not the amount of sexual binding globulin that the liver is producing, and not the amount of sexual binding globulin that's bound to the receptor complex when androgens are present, uh, potentiating uh, the increase of cyclic adenosine monophosphate. So again, we're checking it in the blood, but SHBG only transports androgens through the blood. It's not really active in the blood. If anything, um, it prevents this androgen from being active on the androgen receptor until it detaches from the sexual binding globulin with the secondary effect of the sexual binding globulin receptor complex, right? So um, SHBG being super low when androgens are in the picture, growth hormone is in the picture um, is to be expected. And when thyroid hormones and estradiol is in the picture, so you're on 100 micrograms T4 and estradiol is slightly super physiological, um, probably a little bit less than uh, testosterone being super physiological and, uh, you know, your masterone and thermalone alongside of that. Um, so you get a little bit of a boost from the thyroid hormones and the estradiol regarding your sexual hormone globulin production and a significant reduction in serum from the androgens, right? Because more androgens means more shbg transports because these androgens need to be delivered to the peripheral tissue now what can you do about it um you can let your estradiol level come up a little bit you can add in t3 if you want you can take the growth hormone out that's a hard choice hard bargain right you can add in uh, selective estrogen receptor modulators which i don't think are sustainable um but if you want to do it for a short time four weeks six weeks go right ahead and otherwise, there's testosterone and ectosterone, which in my blood work and some of the people that I talk to blood work, at least on a moderate cycle, was able to raise SHBG levels somewhat. But regarding this cycle with test, mastron, and trembolone in the picture, I mean, I, I think the most you're going to get out of it from, let's say, 300 milligrams testosterone and ectosterone, 150 milligrams of each. Um, so that's 3,000 milligrams in total, right? Because they're 10% extracts. I have to mention it every single time. Um, I think your SABG might be eight. I mean, how much of a difference are you going to notice out of that? So the only real way going forward uh, would be to um, source recombinant sexual binding globulin, which is available, um, but I've never been able to source it myself. But I would love to run that experiment, just do a high dose test cycle, let SHBG drop and improve to all of you guys, to the community, that SHBG can be anabolic by just taking it exogenously.
All right, so um, right now there's basically not much you can do besides adding in the selective estrogen receptor modulators um, or uh, progesterone and ectosterone, but Novidex and uh, Clomid will probably be a lot cheaper. And I don't think that uh, progesterone or ectosterone are going to potentiate any additional anabolism on top of your stack currently, right? So it, it, it would be a very expensive way to raise your SHBG levels. John Prather uh, also asks, what are your current thoughts on running uh, BBC 157, TB500, and or GSK copper proactively during a bulk for general recovery rather than for acute injury? Um, you could do that, but is it really needed? Um, I mean, of course, you have increased angiogenesis, a reduction of inflammation, uh, potentially uh, increased collagen synthesis and, and overall blood flow to a tissue that is recovering. But, I mean, would it be worth the money? And if you're going to get injured, you're going to get injured anyway. So I would just keep these as needed. If you want to use GHK copper for side enhancement, go right ahead. It's very painful. But I was able to put, you know, some good amount of size on my triceps and teardrop. Um, Right? And most of these things kind of potentially, well, besides TB500 with lower systemic inflammation, but most of the effects are local. So can you, are you Nostradamus? Can you predict where the acute injury is going to occur, right? If you have a little twinge or twinkle or a strain or injury in your shoulder, okay, take it easy. Take your BPC-157, TB500 and GHK copper around the site of injury. Take a little bit of rest, let it recover and then stop using it. And if you get a little bit of pain in your knee or your hip or your elbow or whatever, use it there locally to at least prevent that uh, little pain for um, getting into a nagging pain, right? Tendinitis or potentially uh, causing a, you know, full-blown muscle tear downstream, right? Use it preventatively in that setting. But I don't think you can predict where an acute injury can occur. And since these peptides predominantly work where at the site of administration, besides TB500 lowering inflammation, um, I don't think it's really necessary, honestly. I do know guys that run it year-round, and they have uh, some some serious vascular um, symptoms, I would say. So, you know, but they're also big. <laughs> they're also pretty fucking big, yeah. So maybe, maybe there's something to say for it. All right, next one. Rocco asks, uh, Steve, any issues or benefits to running 25 milligrams in clomiphene with 1,000 IUs ATG three times a week? Currently, 90 test levels at 325 nanograms per deciliter after being off TRT for six months. I was also using about 25 milligrams of nastrozole on its CG days. Um, so currently, it's 90 test levels at 323. I would just do, I mean, start raising up your HCG or, or at least, you know, check your LH and FSH levels first. Of course, enclomiphene will be easier because LH and FSH levels are already elevated and enclomiphene will block the estrogen receptors in the pituitary and the hypothalamus, and thus LH and FSH levels will go up. But I feel, based on all of the research that I've done, that enclomiphene is not sustainable because selective estrogen receptor modulators have clotting risk. And, um, you know, it's not been disproven, right? Absence of evidence isn't evidence of absence. So simply because the studies haven't been performed doesn't mean it's not going to happen, right? So... The clotting risks with clomid are legit, and whether that's zuclomiphene or enclomiphene. Um, personally, now that I'm off cycle, I would prefer 
a thousand IOs HCG three times per week, which is exactly what I'm doing. My testosterone levels are, let's say, 600 to 700 um, nanograms per deciliter with pretty high SSBG levels. So all of it's bound up as a cruel joke of nature. Um, yeah. So I would say uh, I would start maybe now since you're already off for six months how about you do 25 milligrams in clomiphene first for four weeks right before bed um and then see where your lh and fsh levels end up after those four weeks and and thus your serum testosterone levels end up and then you're going to switch from the enclomiphene through a thousand IUs uh, ATG three times per week with uh, an astrozole because you're going to have to block uh, or reduce the conversion potentially. Then again, you know, on, on this particular protocol of a thousand IUs uh, ATG three times a week, my serum estradiol levels are what, 37? So it's within the reference range. Uh, but again, I don't know your body fat levels. I don't know your individual rate of aromatization. So maybe you do need an astrozole 25 milligrams um three times per week on atg injection days but i would prefer you to switch to 6.25 milligrams uh, aromacin because that doesn't have such a negative effect on your lipids compared to anastrozole then again you know 0.25 milligrams anastrozole three times a week is uh, less than a milligram and it's still not as high to really impact your lipids negatively i would say so i would favor aromacin um and in that context obviously on the atg and anastrozole or aromsin, your LH and FSH levels will come down again. So you're basically shutting yourself down. Your pituitary and hypothalamus will no longer be functioning. ATG monotherapy is basically the same from a HPTA uh, perspective um, regarding, um, you know, shutdown. So ATG versus a steroid cycle, ATG monotherapy versus a steroid cycle, HPTA is shut down. But with enclomiphene, you basically boost the HPTA because you're blocking the estrogen receptors, which is the negative feedback. And even though you can lower your serum estradiol levels with anastrozole, you still want them sufficient enough for overall health, right? And, and, and sexual function and well-being. And if you bring your estrogen levels down so low that LH and FSH levels will still be elevated, even with ATG monotherapy, I would say that the cardiovascular conditions that you're inducing yourself um, are not really going to be worth it in the long run because, again, estrogen is uh, protective for the cardiovascular system. So uh, I hope it made sense. <laughs> a lot of things you have to consider. Long story short, four weeks in clomiphene before bed, check your testosterone, LH, and FSH levels and estradiol levels, and then consider uh, 1,000 IUs, ATG, three times per week, which I feel is more sustainable, albeit that, of course, um, right, you might as well go on cycle again if you would like your testosterone levels to be higher, right? If you came off cycle for fertility purposes, then uh, either or. Both have their place. All right, we're already done. Well, I guess... Uh, I guess everybody's not accustomed to the new time zone, right? But the problem is, if I start these live streams an hour later, then I'm going to bed at uh, yeah 3.30, which I don't think is a good idea. All right, well, I guess we're just going to, uh, I see there's one person here, or zero, zero, okay. Well, I guess we're just going to uh, open it up then. Let's see, public, done, save. All right, All right now we let everybody else join. <clears throat> Thank <laughs> you.
let's uh, announce that on the gram real quick. Let's see. What's up, guys? What is up? Live streams. Okay. Can you guys hear me okay? Oh, why doesn't the live stream show up in my studio? Right, let's uh, let let some people join. Uh, you know what? I'm just gonna take a picture real quick. Oh great! Derek Lunsford is doing stiff like a deadlifts right in my face. Nice work, Derek. You know what? Let's do it like that. Live now. Hurry up and ask away. How are you guys doing? It's so foggy. This picture is a bit emotional. <laughs> this picture is very emotional. I don't know what happened to my uh, iPhone. Let me do that again. Nip slips. Discord. Sorry, guys. Let's do it again. Ah, oh, that looks way better. That looks way better. Don't Pornhub open, right? No, okay. Thank God. All right. That is live. All right, we got 40 people in there. Um, uh, let's see. Don't forget to watch the beginning of the video when we're done. So um, I got some job openings and uh, some videos that were posted and uh, everything how, uh, how the Optimized Entrepreneur Deep Dive is going to drop over the next four weeks. All right. Let's start answering some questions. There were not too many in the Patreon and YouTube membership section. So uh, when we're done with the questions, then... We're just going to go public. Mm. Kyle, can I ask a question before anybody else is in there? Too late, dude. There's already 40, picture, uh, 40 people in here, and you already asked. So can I ask a question? That is a question. All right, an iron grid is always present. Give the video a like. Yes, that helps a lot. All right, Ray Tango. Hey, Steve, great work you are doing. Thank you very much. I just have a question and maybe you can help. I'm on a TRT, 180 milligrams testosterone inotate per week in castor oil. So you're using that there Bayer or Rotex Medica like a boss. Every single week, I'm not fat or anything. Liver values like GPT and GOT are normal, but my estradiol uh, came back at 150 nanograms per milliliter. Uh, nanograms per liter? What is it? Is that picograms per milliliter? I guess so. I don't know what the cause is. What can I do about it since I inject three times a week? 
Well, um, maybe go to daily subcutaneous micro-administrations or use uh, an aromatized inhibitor or add in a dihydrotestosterone derivative, right? Which will all lower your serum estradiol levels. So, um, or, or watch some of the, the TRT videos that I made where I discuss, uh, you know, all over-the-counter supplements and other, um, you know, chemicals, compounds, which have aromatized inhibiting effects and actually found a new compound called uh myo let's see or oh, now decairo inositol decairo there let me write it down i find the uh pubmed aromatase it could be a potential aromatase down uh, modulator so let me put that down here in the description section This is in humans, actually. So this is a very interesting study. I already ordered it. And I'm going to run this experiment on myself because I'm on just endogenous testosterone. And don't start bitching about not putting a citation, right? We're in the middle of a Q&A. <laughs> so give this study a read, uh, Ray. And uh, you can buy this over-the-counter at uh, iHerb. Right? Don't forget my discount code. All right. Let's see. Hey, Steve, hope you're good, man. Just watch your series on non-alcoholic fatty liver disease again. Awesome. Yeah, I wish I never had to experience it. But, you know, if you do experience it, then I might as well share on how to solve it also, right? If you had non-alcoholic fatty liver disease again, would you change your protocol at all to resolve it sooner? Uh, I would just start fasting right away. I mean, one of the reasons why I'm just basically in a chronic caloric deficit is to prevent uh, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease from uh, reoccurring, right? And when I do eat... Um, I don't eat, you know, in a high caloric surplus for a long period of time because I just don't want it to come back. So, uh, of course, there's several different ways to kind of optimize nutrient partitioning, right? We have performance enhancing drugs for that and just uh, making sure that all of your enzymatic reactions are working with, uh, what is it, nicotinamide and adenine dinucleotide levels being sufficient. So, right, it's, um, yeah, I, I, w I wouldn't change anything. I mean... Tatka is supposed to help. Injectable glutathione is supposed to help. Silymarin is supposed to help. Basically, uh, let's see. Um, you know, there, if you go to uh, livertox.com or livertox, let's see what livertox, what is that website? Oh, here, bookshelf. Let me, let me link it down below. Let me link it down below. All right, saved. So there you can basically do a research on everything about liver health, which I did. I read literally everything. <laughs> and then you realize that everything causes non-alcoholic fatty liver disease and everything can resolve it. <laughs> so now you're like, which fucking direction do we need to go? So I tried all the over-the-counter supplements and some of the uh, you know medicinal routes, and it didn't go fast enough for me, so I, I fasted it off. I starved the non-alcoholic fatty liver uh, disease away by... Um, you know, just not eating or just eating vegetables. And I, I, I uh, reduced, uh, of course, all of my uh, skeletal muscle mass and my body fat levels to basically zero. That's why I look so skinny. But um, when I did my fibro scan again, bitch your left testicle that my, uh, you know, fibro scan was so good that I had the liver health of a 10-year-old. <laughs> so, yeah. So that is the way to go. Fast it off. 
Thoughts on ormeloxifene for gyno. Is it better than raloxifene? Never heard about this. Uh, ormeloxifene. Uh, and centro, centromin. Uh, let me see. Seven day half life. In India, it's been available as birth control since the 1990s. Uh, let's see. It works as an oral contraceptive. Selective estrogen receptor modulator, marketing, and they don't really mention the side effects. Um, or malexaphene is primarily used as a contraceptive, but also may be effective for dysfunctional uterine bleeding and advanced breast cancer. All right, so it sounds like something that is, uh, uh, you know, uh, prescribed for women. Um, and you're asking me if it's better for gyno. None of the selective estrogen receptor modulators will um, reverse kino. They will only shrink it by approximately 50%. If it's already grown, even at the 120 milligrams raloxifene per day, which is what I did, which I have a video about, right? All you have to do is type in raloxifene. My gyno shrink by half. And then over the course of a year later, it basically came back to the same size. So while you're using it, it's small. And when you stop using it, the inflammation and, and you know, the overall uh, voluminous size of your gyno will just return. So um, I would not use this because I've never heard about it. And I've heard about 99% of the drugs out there that work and are good. Um, and I wouldn't even use raloxifene. If I wanted to get rid of my gyno that severely, uh, I would just do a, um, you know, a surgery. So... Let's see, what is next? Thomas, no private streams anymore. No, man, we had a private stream for like 30 minutes and there were no questions posted. So, and there was nobody joining. So I, uh, I, I went public, but I see your membership logo. So I will answer your questions nonetheless, because I support all of my members for supporting me. So ask your questions, don't worry, I will get to them. Don't worry. Don't worry, don't worry. Cheapest and best steroid cycle. Um, testosterone and aromatase inhibitor. You don't need anything else. <laughs> really? That's cheap, dude. It's like four, four or five dollars per ampule. And you know how many ampules per week? Two. And then maybe a tablet of aromacin. So you, you can literally run a steroid cycle for as little as $50 a week. I mean, you know, and, 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 I mean, testosterone is bioidentical, so the results are great. So 500 milligrams of test and an aromatized inhibitor to match whether it does one tablet or two tablets per week. Uh, cheap and effective. And, and let's be honest, if you can't get, uh, get it done at 500 milligrams of test, then it's no hope for you, dude. It's simple as that. All right, next one. Mm-mm-mm. Let's see, uh, most examples. Hey, Steve, how long after using Trembolone can HCG be used? Um, well, depends on the ester, right? But let's say you use uh, hexahydrobenzocarbonate. What was the half-life? It was 15 days. So let's see, uh, 15 times 5, 73 days. So that's, uh, let's say, two and a half months. Now, the detection time of Trembolone's metabolites is approximately five months. But I'm not entirely sure if the uh, trembolone metabolites will interact with the progesterone receptors 
in the testicles and thus make HCG less effective. So I would say uh, two, two, two and a half months and then HCG can be used and it will start working again like you're um, expecting it to be. And feel free to start a little bit earlier. You know, feel free to start it a little bit earlier uh, to kind of, you know, uh, kind of kickstart the nuts again, but it will just not be as effective as running it without any exogenous trembolone in the system. But again, I haven't done the research on the trembolone metabolites that will all be included in the membership section when I get the trembolone, which um, I started writing drafts and Jesus fuck, it's going to be an undertaking. Um, but yeah, somebody has to do it, right? <laughs> Might as well be me. All right, what's this? Uh, Mike P. Jardion's for 5 use growth hormone and 100 micrograms uh, LR3. Yes. Yes. I mean, I'm the one who introduced this concept to the fitness industry, right? Using deep peptidyl peptidase for inhibitors, or are we talking about something else again? Man, Jardion's. I keep messing this up. I was empagliflozin. See, I, I keep messing the deep peptidyl peptidase 4 inhibitors and the empagliflozin. I keep mixing this up. All right, so Jardion's is empagliflozin. No, I don't think it's necessary. I don't think it's necessary at all. Right, it was a, it was a, it makes sense if you do the research, but unless you have metabolic conditions where serum uh, glucose levels are chronically elevated, uh, then it might make sense. So I think the only real application for bodybuilders to use Jardion's or Empagliflozin is um, when they go eat at the hotel buffet and they eat and eat and eat and eat and eat and eat and eat to the point they get edema and they then they slam all the cheesecakes and they go to the dessert aisle and they eat everything inside. So I think that's the only uh, real application for bodybuilders. I think the IGF-1 in this context will more then sufficiently help with nutrient partitioning and insulin sensitivity and keep your serum uh, glucose levels under control. And, and of course, if you're on cycle, I mean, look at all the medical literature performed in testosterone recently regarding um, its benefits in type 2 diabetes management where it improves metabolic conditions. So long story short, if you're going on growth hormone and you're worrying, worrying about insulin resistance, take some testosterone with it, which has medical literature that you can research showing that testosterone improves insulin sensitivity and thus test growth hormone and IGF-1. I think it's very, very unlikely that you'll suffer any sort of insulin resistance whatsoever. All right. And, and Mike, you look pretty jacked. So I'm assuming you train pretty hard. You don't need Jardion's at all unless you eat like a fucking pig at the hotel buffet or you have metabolic conditions and then you should discuss it with your doctor, obviously. Um, but yeah, I'm not a doctor. I'm just vigorous, Steve. All right. So I don't think it's necessary. Uh, Thomas, this is not the place to ask, dude. <laughs> go to my website. Okay, go, go, go to the control F source list. Come on. Don't be silly. Uh, Martin, how to counter insomnia from 75 milligrams of modafinil? Well, take it upon waking and take only 50 milligrams per day and a look into the deep sleep deep dive video series where i discussed uh, uh let's see a uh, gaba and uh, melatonin and 5-htp and i also go over all the hardcore stuff like ambien and the uh, seroquel and uh, what is it the diazepam but you shouldn't really be taking that if the modafinil is keeping you awake at night take it earlier and if uh, keeping the modafinil earlier during the day is still keeping you awake lower the fucking dose <laughs> You know, I mean, this is why I always say 50 milligrams of modafinil, not 200. I don't understand why people take 200 milligrams of modafinil. 
I mean, dude, I don't even take modafinil now. Listen how fast I talk. I talk, f my mouth wants to move faster than my brain can keep up. And that's why I keep stumbling over my fucking words all the time. That's why there's so many edits in my YouTube videos. Because I blah, blah, blah. this happens to me all the time. But that's the neurotransmitter AIDS, dude. Alpha GPC and L-tyrosine. It's all their fault. Trap squat. Uh, hey. <laughs> hey, dude. If I uh, get bulk, what? If I get to take a bulk serum, do I need to take PCT? Jesus fucking Christ, dude. Well, we're going to try to interpret because you have super chatted me. Uh, if I'm going to take a SARM for bulking, uh, do I need to take a pulse psychotherapy before I take my SARMs for cutting? Um, or do I need to take a SARMs for bulking again? Following the cut SARM, then PCT. Um, besides that's uh, the fact that SARMs are for fucking losers, um, I would, if you must, you know, guys, should I just do a video on how to use SARMs safely? I mean, it's every time I say that SARMs are for quitters and for pussies, I get so much hate. And people oh, Red on 40 has its place. Uh, Austrian has its place. Should I teach you guys how to do it safely? All right? Just press F in the chat. Let's go. F in the chat if you want to see me make a video about how to use SARMs safely. Yeah, on grids, like you should at that point. And then guess what? You know, SARMs people are so lazy that they won't even use the search function. Fuck you guys. Look at F. You know what F stands for? Here. Fuck you, don't do it. 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 Well, fuck that. L. All right. C -c 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 Combro breaker. <laughs> All right. So we already got demonetized, guys. So uh, that's too many fucks for one single live stream. So I, I'm counting on you guys to uh, put all the super chats in here because otherwise I'm going to go bankrupt. All right. So to go back uh, to this uh, trap squats uh, question, which uh, I don't know how many, how much we just been smoking today, but this doesn't make any sense. So bulk up first, then do a cut. Then do a pulse psychotherapy where you increase your calories because during a pulse psychotherapy, you need to increase your calories. So long story short, take all the bulking SARMs while bulking, right? So you take the MK677, which technically isn't a SARM, but it's classified as a SARM, even though it doesn't interact with the androgen receptor in any way, shape or fucking form. And it still might even downregulate the HPTA beyond the Austrian that you're taking. So you take your Austrian or your Rand 140, you put the MK677 on top so you can eat a boatload of food, testosterone, a zero, a zero, nada, zip it, gone, androgen deficient, estrogen deficient, miserable, dick won't work, you'll figure it out, right? Okay, so you bulk up, you get fucking big, then you cut, you get fucking lean, and then you come off the SARMs, then you start your post cycle therapy after you've gotten lean, so you have a little bit of wiggle room to get fat in, because post cycle therapy works best when you eat. All right, and I don't want to see any more SARM questions. Thank you. Uh, thanks, Steve. What was the first ancillary you suggested? Uh-oh. Uh oh, yeah, testosterone. <laughs> testosterone is your ancillary for insulin sensitivity. The first uh, ancillary that I mentioned was uh, a D-peptidyl peptidase 4 inhibitor 
the which one was it i always forget these names dude i barely recommend these nowadays because i don't really um you know work with the hardcore bodybuilders anymore uh genu not genu you asked about uh, yeah genuvia <laughs> fuck dude where is it uh and hey, it should be in here Genu no see the glyptin here i'll link it down below on the wikipedia page give that a read I think that's I think to see the clipping is a better idea than the Jardians. Yeah. All right. And so that one. What's next? Uh, uh Vlado Aragon. Thoughts on one times per week uh on a heavy push and leg push pull and legs, adding weight, 30 milligrams halo testing or 60 milligrams oxandrolone pre-workout. Um Injectable Anadrol, you can thank me later. Yeah. The problem is injectable Anadrol is in that synthetic carrier oil, even though there are some sources out there who brew their injectable Anadrol in MCT oil. And if you can source that, um, fuck, dude. <laughs> Acute PRs. Yeah, your uh, your tendons might not be uh, up to it. I think I still think the halo testing is like the best pre-workout, but it's uh, or uh, sorry, not halo testing, anadrol. I think anadrol is still the best pre-workout for acute response. I mean, fifty milligrams, hundred milligrams, sublingually. Oh, oh, hide your weight, boys. Hide your weight, boys, because it's uh, some serious shit is going to happen. But in this context, um, I would do sixty milligrams oxandrolone because, well, even that's too high, man. Twenty-five milligrams is more than enough. If you need 60 milligrams of xandrolone, it just means that you're xandrolone shit. <laughs> really, 20, 25 milligrams, it will work. And then you don't have like this perpetual rain cloud over your head for like two or three days um, that halotestin will have because halotestin will block glucocorticoid receptors and prevent the metabolism of cortisol. And thus cortisol levels go high, but the, the receptors are blocked. So you get all these weird glucocorticoid uh, interactions and, uh, and, and thus blood pressure might go up. So honestly, I think 25 milligrams oxandrolone pre-workout is more than enough. And otherwise, 50 to 100 milligrams uh, um, anadrol, uh, which I seem to favor a lot more for once per week administrations. And you know what? How about you do 10 milligrams anavar per day and 50 milligrams anadrol pre-workout on top of that, and then uh, come back to me in four weeks and tell me how many PRs you had. All the serum goblins have been exposed oh man you should so i made that video right on um now niga's um, we had the now niga podcast and then uh he clipped that into a short and he said all those people just come uh you know serums this and that and you know, all these people just throwing shade it's it's so funny man every time you do a collaboration you have all these people just getting exposed to you and then they don't agree with what you say and they go fucking ballistic people get triggered so easily it's uh yeah well, we just have to wait for Elon Musk to uh, start up uh, a base on Mars. And then if it happens within my lifetime, then I'll see you guys later. And then I'll, uh, I'll bounce off this planet. I'm getting kind of sick of it. <laughs> but hey, if you get triggered from the littlest things, it's your fucking problem, man. That's just like your opinion, dude. All right, Abascar, uh, having colds. No, 
no, my cold has been uh, expired for a while, but it's a new microphone, so maybe I sound a little bit cold. Um, no, I don't. I don't think I have a cold. No, no, just my bass is very, my voice is very bassy. Right? Where is she? Um, raise CRP. So his uh, uh, C-reactive protein is elevated. Now it's 10 milligrams per deciliter on paracetamol and stuff. Oh, you're having a cold. She's fucking great. Why can't you guys just type it out properly so I can interpret it easier? All right. I'm having a cold. Buscar is having a cold. His CRP levels are 10.3 milligrams per deciliter, and he's running paracetamol and other stuff. What kind of stuff? Let's estimate. Codeine, tramadol non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs in the form of uh what is it called uh uh fuck the the most popular one a liver enzymes are elevated yeah of course you're taking all these kinds of drugs and your crp is elevated how long after sickness should i get blood work again uh, i would wait at least a week two weeks yeah and 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 then in the meantime please 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 just just a little bit of grammar a little bit so I can interpret it better. So I don't like look up, look like a butthole when I start reading your questions and answering them because I don't really understand. Um, Buscar, yeah. Hope you get well soon, buddy. But uh, get your head out of your ass. Martin, uh, should I increase my dose of DHA and pregnenolone to upper ranges if I'm still mid-range after taking 25 milligrams of DHA and 50 milligrams of pregnenolone? Where will be more cognitive benefits? So what are you taking? Are you taking DHEA 50 milligrams or 20 milligrams or pregnenolone 25 milligrams or 50 milligrams? Because I like half the dose of pregnenolone for the dose of DHEA. And did you check your DHEA or DHEA sulfate? Pregnenolone, pregnenolone sulfate, right? Specify, Martin, please, so I can give you the good, um, good answers. But yeah, I do notice more cognitive benefits and effects when DHEA and pregnenolone levels are uh, towards the top of the reference range, as did Dr. Adam Hotchkiss and uh, Dan Coe, who was uh, under uh, Dr. Adam Hotchkiss' uh, guidance. But his DHEA levels are quite high because he's still young. All right. Ever used the PHK9 inhibitor? If not, why not? Uh, no, never used it because my lipids are always under control. I mean, I eat healthy. I've been doing that for the large majority of my life. Um, I take citrus bergamot, which I've been doing uh, since Dante Trudell alluded me to it six, seven years ago. I take fish oil with every meal. I do daily fasted cardio. Uh, I have a good amount of healthy fats with my diet. I don't fucking need it. So why run it? And, and the large majority of the people that I talk to, they don't need it either with dietary interventions, you know? PKS9 inhibitor statins, that's like end-stage lipid management if you have cardiovascular disease in your family. And I have cardiovascular disease in my family. My, my mom is a heart patient, right? She had a stent put in place because she had coronary artery disease self-induced from years of smoking and drinking. It's her own fucking fault. And I'm sure she realized that. Um, and if I were to get something similar it would be through my own fucking fault as well by taking steroids. But since I do my <laughs> organ imaging and my cardiac uh, CT scans and MRIs showing that I have a CAC score of zero, uh, I don't think there's a need. And also my lipids have been arranged for a very long time. Yeah, so um, I don't see a reason to take it now. And I, I never really recommend it unless uh, people are, uh, you know, having a CAC score of like, uh, you know, over one. 
right? And and then I would still recommend them to discuss this with a physician because I'm not a cardiologist, right? I, I can keep you guys healthy, but if you're already sick, it's probably better to discuss it with a qualified doctor, right? Not with some guy that you met online. That's why my disclaimer is so fat. Never seek or never postpone seeking medical uh, expertise if you're currently experiencing sickness, right? Don't, don't take it from a YouTube video. I can prevent you from getting sick with the advice that I put here. But if you're sick, go to a fucking doctor. Injectable anadrol is the second best steroid on a budget. Uh, no, it's quite pricey also. I think those were like $60 a bottle and then the concentration is like 50 milligrams. Second best steroid on a budget, uh, Baldenone. Yeah. What other job openings for? Uh, watch the beginning of the video. I explained it there. Yeah, I'm looking for a web designer to help me um, kind of redo my website. And I'm looking for somebody who is a thumbnail wizard, whether that's in Photoshop or uh, AI, to help me with the clips channel. Um, but all the explanation are in the beginning of this video. Yeah. And I'm only looking for guys that are good at what you're doing this is not a job where uh, i i'll, uh, I'll uh, i'm young and eager to learn no <laughs> i don't have time for that sorry um that you can uh, eagerly learn in your own time i'm looking for somebody who's getting the job done right away and who can work autonomously i'm willing to pay all right next one mom toes hey steve had a question regarding uh, dhts earlier would appreciate you reading it was actually a pretty interesting uh, topic okay so you're gonna make me scroll up Mom twos. Oh, here it is. Shit. Did I miss it? Oh, yeah, because Buscar got in the way. Sorry, dude. Uh, should I increase my dose of DHM pregnenolone? No, I already answered this. This is Martin. Sorry. Mom twos. Here. Dude, you have about a lot of questions. How about you post it again? So I don't have to scroll. All right. Mom twos, post it again. You had a question about DHT? I can't find it. Just post it again. When are you going to do the video about the autopsy of Joe? Okay, Sean, the autopsy of Joe Stedix will never be released. Never. Never. It will never be released. And there will not be a video. Right? Do you understand? Fucking hell, man. Some of you people are so fucking intrusive. I can't fucking believe it. You know what? You're fucking out of here for even asking. Fuck you. Fucking clowns. Fucking damn it, man. Where the fuck are you? off my channel there you go band for life take that shit out of here all right on a lighter note let's move on 
So Momtus, please ask, um, please post your question again about DHCs. And then uh, we'll get to answering. Idle here, $10. If I'm doing TRT microdoses, 20 milligrams every day, how to get accurate blood work? Blood work, uh, morning fasted before injection. Okay, so yeah, yeah, I would do it. I would do it every day before injections because right then you basically have the highest reading from the day before, but it's not skewed from the injection right prior, right? Because of course, as soon as you inject, it starts to absorb and metabolize, freeing up the testosterone from its ester, and thus levels might be high, and, and maybe temporarily you would have a, a video uh, or not video you would have a serum levels that might be too high for your uh you know trt provider to say uh hey uh, you know your dose is good let's uh, 140 milligrams per week is good let's um let's keep it there and not lower it right so i would do it uh, right before the injection about 24 hours after the previous injection which will be the accurate representation of where your serum testosterone levels are uh, for the large majority of the day but not artificially inflated uh, from that uh, previous injection right because i mean if i it, it can fluctuate quite a bit you know especially if it's a brute in mct oil which disperses quite fast and it doesn't really have to be broken down so now the testosterone anthate or propionate cypionate is entering the bloodstream and then the metabolizes with the carboxyl esterases and then serum testosterone levels go higher right so you might think holy shit i'm 1500 nanograms per deciliter but in reality you're like you know a thousand which is fine but 1500 is fine also don't get me wrong uh let's see would you recommend adding 100 micrograms t4 daily to try to increase maintenance calories then when the calories are enough start to getting off the t4 protocol my body temperature is low 36 to 35 celsius uh no no if your if your basal body temperature is low and you're currently not on t4 just slowly bring up your calories i mean it's, it's, Add in some B vitamins, add in some carbohydrates, which all will help with metabolic rate and turnover. Add in some iodized salt or kelp for iodine so you can produce more T4. And add in some selenium from, uh, you know, animal meat sources or uh, selenium supplements or Brazil nuts. One Brazil nut with every meal. Um, so you have enough selenium for the deiodinase enzymes, which will metabolize one iodine atom of the T4, making it metabolically active in the form of T3 fucking good right this i do understand um very very well so <laughs> it just rolls off the tongue baby uh, and then over time your uh, basal body temperature will slowly start to come up right you don't need t4 for that if anything you might mask a micronutrient deficiency that, that is there because you're um currently not eating enough so i would do it solo you can always add in the t4 later on right and if you do caloric adjustments with 10 percent increases then you are very unlikely to get fat. Yeah, ibuprofen, that was the one that I forgot. Sorry. Uh, let's see. Home tools, are you, are you anywhere? Man. Uh, uh, uh. Thomas, Anadrol rolls are cheap. As fuck, do you think it's a good budget anabolic on top of test and an AI? Uh, yeah, in that case, go for it, dude. Go for it. Injectable anadrol is legit. 
Just don't run it too long because your liver enzymes will be pretty fucking high. All right, Alvaro, what's the main difference for growth hormone used in the off-season for a cut? Is the hyperplasia the same? Um, well, it's kind of dose-dependent, right? So, but in the, in the off-season, you can get away with less growth hormone because you have more uh, food in the you know in the picture, and food is uh, also anabolic and also uh, promotes uh, hyperplasia. If you combine that with uh, hyperplasia-promoting compounds like growth hormone, right? Because you still need nutrients and building blocks for hyperplasia to occur. And then in a cut, obviously, you have less food and you get flat. And then you need to use a little bit more growth hormone to um, keep the hyperplasia going in a caloric deficit for less nutrients and to keep you full, right? So this is basically how most bodybuilders do it. We use less in the off-season to stay uh, as healthy as possible. Then we take a little bit of a cut or a little bit of a cruise or a cleaning out phase. And then we go into a cut where dosages are generally higher, right? And then, of course, maybe in the beginning of your career, um, you might want to, you know, take more in the off season because you're really eager to grow but as you get more experienced and you're you get more knowledgeable in training and regarding nutrition generally speaking most bodybuilders you use less in the off season um and then in the cut they use more right because at one point you get happy with how big you are and you're like you know what i just need the food to maintain it and a little bit of drugs to maintain it and i'll still grow albeit slower and then when i do a cut i'll up the dose to uh, make the transformation uh let's see guys i see a lot of same questions from the same people but let me answer some other people first all right mom tools where is your updates i guess i get to it Ilya milos any advice on hamstring tear recovery tore uh it close to the knee no pain or bruising after two days what therapy to get when to start bpc and tb500 well uh get an mri done to see how severe it is because just because you don't have any bruising doesn't mean it's bad and it doesn't matter how much bpc and tb500 you take um the hamstring is not magically going to uh get back to the tendon right so if you have a tendon tear or tear uh, like in the belly of the muscle um you know get it diagnosed because depending on you know immobilization and and uh let's see you know recovery and that kind of stuff it kind of depends on how bad it is so please get it diagnosed first right and then um you know, maybe maybe look into like hot cold therapy and and BBC one five seven TB five hundred and Anovar and GHK copper, and maybe ARA two ninety if if parts of the you know if you can't really feel the contraction properly anymore, um, right? I mean, I discuss all of this in the in the recovery videos, and it's like every week I get questions about TB five hundred and BBC one five seven, but literally everything I know is in those recovery videos, so just watch those, dude. But get it diagnosed first. Yeah, get a diagnose first. All right. Mumtoos. Hey, Steve, I have a question. In regards to DHT compounds, do they promote muscle maturity? Ryan Russo claims that DHB can help uh, make uh, more solid muscle. He also used it to treat his post-finasteride syndrome. Uh, I, I think Ryan Russo is still crazy as shit. So whatever the guy's doing nowadays, um, I would not take, take advice from this guy, honestly. Um, muscle maturity comes mostly from compounds which are uh, quite potent like trembolone for example halotestin superdrol and it's it's a relatively fake muscle maturity i mean keep in mind muscle maturity is a look not really something that's tangible just like conditioning that's not very tangible unless you do like a you know caliper test or a body fat test you know dexa dexa uh body fat test to the point you have like a four percent body fat six percent body fat then it makes it tangible but muscle maturity muscle density conditioning it's all 
um, like a certain look to the muscle, right? So what, what do we mean with muscle maturity? It's a dense, well-developed, hard muscle. And of course, muscle maturity, you can't really see if you're not conditioned, which means low body fat levels. So muscle maturity is generally something you see on older guys that are over 40 that have been training for 20 years, have been on steroids for 10 years. And when you put a young guy next to an older guy, um, you see the apparent differences. Now, you can mask that to a certain extent with Chamberlain because it adds a little bit of density and hardness to the muscle more so than other steroids does, I would say. And thus you have um, a false sense of muscle maturity, but you take the Chamberlain out. And then, um, you know, the muscle kind of deflates because it's not real muscle maturity yet. I mean, real mature muscle doesn't go away even if you go off cycle. Right? I mean, I got smaller, but the quality is still there. So it's just a cosmetic thing. I feel that DHT compounds besides Superdrol are uh, inferior to halotestin and trimbolone. Halotestin is a testosterone derivative. And Tremblone is a 19 or testosterone derivative. And whatever Ryan Russo says, uh, I would take it all with a grain of salt. <laughs> Honestly, I would take it all with a grain of salt. And Ryan, you did it to yourself, dude. You keep chasing me and posting shitty messages for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. So uh, now you're on my shit list too. Basker, uh, my 25 uh, vitamin D total is 120 nanograms per milliliter. I'm not entirely sure what the reference range is of that. Um, so, you know, towards the top of the reference range is probably okay, but I, I'm not off the top of my head. I don't know what the top of this uh, reference range is, you know, I mean, 5,000 IOS vitamin D3 is pretty okay. I just watched a lecture from Dark, uh, Dr. Eric Serrano at the Swiss symposium, which uh, by the way is live. Actually, I should post that link, uh, Swiss videos. What is it? Guys, please remind me because all the Swiss Symposium for 2023 videos are live and I uh, um, just can't remember what the website was. Is this Swiss Video Flicks? Oh, here it is. There you go. All right, I posted it below. So Dr. Eric Serrano went over a lecture and there he mentioned that he was uh, reversing CAC scores with vitamin D3 up to 300,000 IUs. Three, zero, 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 zero. Yes, reversing CAC scores, plaque buildup, soft and hard plaque with vitamin D3 up to 300,000 IUs. So uh, that's a quite high dose. All right, so um, I would advise you to buy that seminar. It's it's very, very interesting. And uh, and then you can access to the steroid panel that I did with, um, you know, Dr. Eric Serrano and Chase Irons and Victoria Felcar and Dr. Adam Hotchkiss and um, uh, Rick Collins. <laughs> oh, yeah, and Dave Tate. <laughs> Dave Tate was also on there. Um, yeah, it was a great podcast. And then my, my private um, presentation about uh, synthetic carrier oils, which I'm sure you guys are all familiar with, but it's still a good watch. I promise you, right? Give that lecture a watch. So um, I, I would say that it's not too high if it's uh, towards the top of the reference range. Um, but yeah, I'm not off the top of my head. I don't know what the reference range is for 25 uh, OH, whatever that stands for, vitamin D. I'm sorry. I remember a lot of reference ranges, but not this one. 
I genuinely think that it might make sense that DHCs give you that granic uh, muscle look where you look, um, we just said in the last video with Aaron. Yeah, so DHTs enhance the look if you're conditioned. But uh, super dry, I mean, it's it's so hard to explain sometimes, right? Because we don't just take test and train or test and masterone. You take test and masterone, super draw, and halo test and all at the same time. So what does what? I mean, we're going for the overall look. All right. I'm very far behind. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I am very far, far behind. All right. Uh, let me just scroll all the way down and then. Uh, okay. Super chats. What would you recommend for low libido after using SSRIs? Um, so, of course, it's a neurotransmitter imbalance, right? But it might also be related to DHA and pregnenolone and testosterone levels because SSRIs without hormone replacement therapy, um, generally speaking, means that hormone levels are also kind of low. So I would look into just checking your serum hormone levels, right? Luteinizing hormone, follicle-stimulating hormone, total testosterone, free testosterone, estradiol, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Ch check there first, see if that's all nicely balanced. And then otherwise start looking into neurotransmitters like uh, L-tryptophan, L-tyrosine, neurotransmitter precursors. And again, from next week onwards, the Entrepreneur Neutropic Deep Dive Part 2 will release in four different chapters because it was one and a half hours. So I decided to split it up because nobody's going to watch a one and a half hour video unless you're Uberman. And I'm not Uberman, right? So I'm going to have to split it up. Um, so yeah, it's... Um, it could be uh, that could be highly beneficial regarding bringing your serotonin levels back up and your dopamine levels back up and your glutamate levels back up, which all uh, interconnect to regulate libido. If your serum uh, testosterone levels and estradiol levels are also nicely balanced to your neurosteroids, right? So do some blood work, watch the video, watch the libido videos, which I have several on, and then uh, start making some adjustments, right? In the libido videos, I uh, kind of piece it all together. And uh, but the neurotransmitter video will also be very interesting for you to watch. Right. Okay. And now I'm gonna start scrolling up. Big house. Are there any food alternatives to non-stimulant pre-workouts? Only extracts. I mean, beetroot extract can have some vasodilating properties. Uh, salt can increase blood volume in the pump. Glycerol, but that's not really food so which food gives the best pumps bananas and beets uh, can you can you turn it into a shake i'm not sure but bananas and beets yeah get those nitrites in yeah put a little bit of salt in that shake and then uh, go to town Let's see. Big house. Uh, what micronutrient deficiencies should I look for? Uh, I only used Ida salt aside. Or did you ask something previously? No. Uh, I only use Ida salt aside from pre-bed meal and inter-workout tyrosine is covered by the meat. I eat selenium. I get 300 milligrams a day at least. And in a macro factor, all my macros are macked out. Okay. And that's an application. No, I think I think you pretty much got it covered. I mean, on my website, I have a very good article, which nobody reads, but I'll link it down below anyway. It's uh, mistaking a steroid side effects for androgen uh, for micronutrient deficiencies, which I wrote for the private Facebook group. Then um, I made it public for free. 
and you'd be surprised how many side effects uh, of steroids people mistake uh, for actual micronutrient deficiency. So long story short, eat healthy, take a basic multivitamin and shut the fuck up. And then uh, you'll see that uh, a nine out of 10 steroid side effects, gone. Ta-da, it's gone. All right, so give that article a read, Big House. I just linked it down below. It's called the uh, uh, Vitamin and Mineral Deficiency Checklist for Enhanced Bodybuilders. So funny, right? All the questions that you guys ask, I have videos about, articles about, um, but you guys keep asking. Hey, Steve, my balls shrink even with 250 milligrams testosterone annotated weekly only, and they don't regain size even with 500 IOS HCG every three days. What can I do? Uh, add in some FSH or um, maybe your reference point um, of the size of your balls isn't as big as you remember, right? Because when you go on uh, testosterone, 250 milligrams testosterone per week, uh, it takes a couple of weeks before your nuts really shrink. And they might, you might remember it as being bigger than they actually were. So um, when in doubt, uh, ask uh, the girlfriend. And if you don't have a girlfriend, um, well, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, you can't answer random strangers, right? So you can do the measuring uh, uh, strategy, which is what I used to do. <laughs> Sorry, guys. What is what I used to do? Um, you get a measuring cup. You put lukewarm water in there so your balls don't retract uh, right back into your uh, pelvic floor, right? Because too cold is too cold and your balls are like fucking them out and they go right in. <laughs> you don't want that to happen. So get a measuring cup, right, with the the the, the measuring lines. Fill it to the brim with lukewarm water, and then you you dump your nut sacks in there. And when you're off cycle, uh, and then you measure the water displacement. So I have about 75, 80 milliliters of water displacement currently, but when I'm on cycle, it's like 50 to 55 milliliters water displacement. I know it's not accurate, <laughs> but it's the best option we got, right? <laughs> well, I mean, do you want to do a testicular ultrasound and let them measure your testicular volume every time on cycle, off cycle? I mean, it's a fun experience. I've done it twice but it's cumbersome. <laughs> it's very cumbersome. So just do it like this, measure your nuts in a watering, uh, in a lukewarm water, you know, in a measuring cup, on cycle, off cycle. Uh, when you're on cycle, don't use the HCG and then add in the HCG, wait four weeks and see how much uh, size you regained. And if it doesn't work, give it maybe another two months because sometimes it takes a little bit longer and otherwise add in the FSH 75 IOs every other day or, um, you know, every day, that's what worked the best for me. And I see that it improved because a large portion of the testicular volume is Sertoli cells, right? Not only Leydig cells, but also Sertoli cells. And even though intertesticular testosterone can activate uh, the Sertoli cells into spermatogenesis, it will never be the same and as high as um, exogenous or endogenous follicle stimulating hormone. And maybe 500 IOs ATG every three days is just not enough. How about we go to 500 IOs three times a week. Uh, all right. Can albutamorin and growth hormone be used together? Yeah, but I would do it on alternating days. Um, I mentioned this in the, you know, how to recover your tendon issues and injuries, right? Because albutamorin, of course, is a growth hormone secretagogue, which releases all of the um, 
uh, the the the, uh, the isoforms of growth hormone being the with the 20 22 23 24 uh, kilodalton molecular weights and then uh, growth hormone is only what was it 20 22 exogenous growth hormone is just one of them <laughs> let's put it that way is one of them and of course the the one that you inject is the one that you produce at the highest amount so in that sense um you know you're getting the most of the one you produce anyway but there's something to say for having a broad variety of growth hormone isoforms present and thus you have to take a growth hormone secretagogue so maybe you take ibutamorin uh, 30 milligrams before bed let's say uh, every other day and then growth hormone on the days in between uh with a 24-hour delay time because um if you take abutamorin uh, mk677 before bed igf1 levels and growth hormone levels will be elevated for 36 hours so i would not start a dosing growth hormone until pre-bed the next day and maybe upon waking in afternoon um the day that you administer mk677 before bed again because then the previous dose of mk677 has already metabolized or you take mk677 five days a week uh, during the week and then you take growth hormone before bed on saturday and sunday for example right so there's a multitude of different ways to do it but if you take growth hormone in the morning and mk677 before bed uh, that's a recipe for insulin resistance <laughs> even if you're on a good amount of testosterone yeah yeah, because growth hormone free from fatty acids, you're just constantly elevated. You don't get like these peaks and valleys that you would get with exogenous growth hormone administrations. Um, so yeah, uh, you can use them together, but please check your blood glucose levels. Let's see. Uh, Baskar, how to understand B vitamins and iron intake to optimize a complete blood count panel? Do you need iron for good red cell distribution with, but not too much? or you have a high hemoglobin and b12 folate for jesus christ man <laughs> deciphering some of you guys messages like a pain in the ass any videos for this on your channel um i'm not entirely sure so i would just focus well if you're indian or pakistani you probably can't eat beef right so uh you would have to go with the iron ferrous bisglycinate supplements um because the hema iron is the highest bioavailable iron but that's primarily found in beef you can get iron from salmon and chicken and other animal meat sources uh, but it just doesn't seem to raise serum iron levels as favorably as beef intake does and of course if you're on top of a general b100 complex either b50 in the morning or evening or b100 in the morning um you might still need a b12 on top of that if you don't eat any beef right because beef is also very high in uh, vitamin b12 uh, maybe you take a thousand micrograms uh, methylcobalamin or cyanocobalamin um three times a week and then i would say that your complete blood count would look good your red cell distribution bit uh, would look good as well which usually gets skewed if you're iron deficient vitamin b12 deficient or you over donate blood on cycle um and high hemoglobin is probably a result of high iron. All right, I, I probably have to look at your, your blood work <laughs> to really give you a good indication because your question is all over the place. And, um, you know, saying high or good or low doesn't really give me a good understanding of what your blood work looks like. So uh, look into the video, uh, watch... Uh, Read that article, Vitamin and Mineral Deficiencies for Enhanced Bodybuilders, and then uh, start piecing it together. Because I can't piece it together from your 
message. Honestly. Uh, Mateo, HD. Oh, we answered this one already. Uh, let's see. Look, no question. I started BBC 157 and it's great. Got a file from the second site and it burned a bit and freaked me out. This is normal sometimes or should I toss it? No, I had the same thing, dude. BBC 157 burns like fucking ass. So, uh, yeah, I had the same thing. And I think BPC, I haven't used it in a while though, but BPC 157 from the last time I remembered it, yeah, it has a little bit of a burn, just like a pharmaceutical FSH or pharmaceutical HCG or, uh, you know, a carnitine, right? I mean, a little bit of burn is okay, man. It's just part of the game. Yeah, just part of the game. So, um, and whether that's the BPC 157 itself or, or uh, you know, benzoyl alcohol as a preservative, I'm not entirely sure, but. I remember that a lot of these water-based injections are uh, somewhat irrit irritating. Yeah. Yeah, oh yeah, that's a good recommendation, Bill K. I didn't think about that. Uh, maybe Matteo needs a testicular Doppler ultrasound for a varicose cell. That thing can go under the radar. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I guess, sorry, I overlooked that. So if the ATG is not working, uh, which I did mention a couple other times in previous uh, questions, but I uh, forgot it this time. So Bill K, you're a lifesaver. Um, if the ATG is not doing what it's supposed to, then yeah, maybe you have a varicose cell and the ATG is simply not getting there, right? So... All right, Mateo says he has a girlfriend, so he can measure. I'm so far behind. Uh, all right, super chat. Martin, uh, do you wake up tonight to pee? If so, how much? I wake up twice, or do you want to? I pee a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's almost, let's say, a liter. It's, it's great. But I drink throughout the day, man. And all this stuff about uh, not waking up to pee and, uh, you know, missing sleep. I mean, when you're on steroids and you eat a boatload of food, you're uh you're uh you're gonna have to drink a lot of water all right so and that means yeah gonna have to wake up to pee at night because i don't like to wake up dehydrated when i go out to pee i drink more water and then i go out to pee again i drink more water and then as soon as i wake up i drink water so i don't think it's the end of the world um you know and if you want to sleep uh you know throughout the night then uh, take some desmopressin and, and don't drink so much water or cut it off two hours before, right? I mean, there's a multitude of different ways. Uberman probably just got a four-hour video about that, how to not uh, nighttime pee. <laughs> and I follow that advice. But I've been uh, pissing every night for the last 20 years because I drink a bottle out of water. And uh, I, I didn't die yet. So I guess it's okay. Alvaro, uh, what would you do today? Uh, what would you invest in today with a thousand dollars all right let's well not bitcoin because bitcoin is really at that level where i'm like is it gonna break through or uh i mean it's dude, if you go to the logarithmic for all you traders out there just draw a line over the top resistance on the lo logarithmic progression band and it just it's just fucking edging against it so until it breaks it and it confirms that we're staying above this uh resistance level i would get in uh but i would wait for a retracement man i'm i'm waiting for a retracement and it could be a gross mistake but all the signals tell me that this move is not going to last and again you know you trade the chart so if it does break through and it retests and it's solid then i would put a thousand dollars in the bitcoin because that means 
48,000 is uh, nearby. But right now, I would say that, um, yeah, that I have sold quite a bit already. Um, so what would you invest in? Um, now, today? With $1,000 of RJD, it makes an extra $1,000 a month because he does timestamps for everybody. Alvaro, what would you do? Dude, I would go on holiday. Yeah, go on holiday today. Spend that today, spend it on a holiday with you and your girlfriend and go have fun. Because I don't see any investment opportunities currently. <laughs> Honestly. So you invest in a holiday with your girlfriend to strengthen your relationship, have a good time. And then when you come back from holiday, um, you are so fired up to do the timestamps even faster than before. <laughs> uh, Alexandra Carrera, thoughts on A0A3. Any negative side effects? What is this? One of those uh, SARMs? A0A3. Uh, randomized phase two study of A0. What the hell is this? I don't know what this is. Hmm. Is there a Wikipedia page on this? It's from Acceleron Pharma, but oh, here. A0A. Three for muscular disorders. Hmm. Well, I I don't know anything about it, so I would say um, I don't have a muscular disorder though. Muscular dystrophy. A TGF beta inhibitor. Hmm. All right. All right. Let me add it to the to do list. <laughs> Let me add this to the to-do list. Let me get back to you. Vigarian, do you have any tips on reducing resting heart rate from growth hormone use? Um, get your water retention down right, with uh, Telmosartan. And since most sites from growth hormone are due to water retention, do you think resting heart rate is the same case of using something like hydrochlorothiazide would help you correct the issue? No, because hydrochlorothiazide will um, imbalance your electrolytes by excreting more sodium and you need sodium for normal heart function on, alongside the calcium the potassium the magnesium and the phosphorus so skip the the diuretics look at the telmosartan instead and um, look into optimizing your electrolyte intake which i have many videos about but it could also be that the growth hormone is just uh, causing your heart to uh, start growing and growing and growing and that's why your risk of heart rate is going higher, but it's probably from the water retention. Yeah, or maybe you're overtrained. You know, maybe you take too much caffeine. Maybe, maybe too much stimulants. Maybe, maybe you just need to sleep better. Maybe it's time to take a week off. I mean, signs of overtraining usually start with, uh, you know, an elevated resting heart rate. So maybe take a week off and take some Thomas Hartan and then uh, see how that goes. All right, all right, all right.
This might sound stupid, but I've never had to take a leak in the middle of the night, even if I drink upwards of four liters a day. Is this a thing that happens with age, or is this a good sleep hygiene? Uh, no, it just means you have a, a bladder for days. So, uh, uh, I don't know, man. The Ethereum to uh, Ethereum to Bitcoin chart doesn't also look very, very good. What is going up? Fuck. Oh, Ethereum has gone up compared to Bitcoin. Month, six months. Uh, it's still on a downward trend. I, I would wait until Ethereum breaks the downward trend, man. And then it starts growing faster than Bitcoin. It's You can put in a little bit. Honestly, I have $4,000. I mean, you could just put it in there and, not, and forget about it. Then again, I don't have all my charts in front of me. Those are on my, uh, you know, working computer. This is just my laptop. <clears throat> the last time I looked at the uh, Bitcoin uh, to Ethereum, uh, uh, it, it, I didn't feel ready to put money in yet. All right, so he doesn't pee a lot at night. Okay, that's good. All right, so it's a myostatin inhibitor, localized. All right, I'll look into it, but I, I've never heard about it. I'll get uh, Dr. Uh, Dil Khan on the podcast at one point to start uh, talking about myostatin inhibition localized um, because he seems to be one um, to uh, be on the forefront of the development of those treatments. All right, here we are, Bronson. Uh, how would you recommend a mini cut to bring back appetite and help insulin sensitivity? I, I can't eat. Diet quality is suffering. Keep cycle at full dose. Okay, so if you're taking a lot of orals, obviously that's not helping with your appetite either. So take that out if you're taking orals. And then take a mini cut of uh, half the carbohydrates that you're currently taking. And perhaps take 500 milligrams of metformin to kind of speed up the restoration of insulin sensitivity. Albeit that your IGF-1 levels will come down crashing pretty hard as well. So... Two weeks mini cut. Um, you can do a ketogenic diet, take all the carbs out, and it goes even faster. Man, you can even do a week fast, you know, to speed up the mini cut. So you do one week fast, one week ketogenic diet, and then you start reintroducing the carbohydrates. And then, you know, if you can't eat and your diet quality is suffering, and then, I mean, your diet quality should never be suffering. Don't be a pussy, right? I mean, you're not going to start eating crap food just to compensate for lack of cal calories that you can't get from clean food. Optimize your digestion so you can eat more food and otherwise take the orals out or do a mini cut to kind of bring back your appetite. And if you did everything right and your appetite is still not where you want it, well, that's what the MK677 or the Periactin or the GHRB6 is for, right? I mean, we have plenty of appetite increasing compounds. I mean, some people even smoke wheat on a daily to get their appetite up. Right? There's a multitude of different things, but it doesn't mean um, that's besides the fact that you uh, shouldn't fix whatever is causing you this appetite reduction. Yeah. So look into all of those options, I would say. Uh, how much growth amount to improve sleep? Is uh, three IUs worth it? Yeah, I would say like two to three IUs with uh, three milligrams melatonin and 500 milligrams uh, GABA and uh, maybe 100 milligrams 5-HTP. That seems to be a good stack. Yeah, or at least for me. Yeah, low dose of a multitude of different things. You know, take your Gorilla Dream, right? It's also available. This can cost down below. 
And, um, you know, he adds uh, a little bit more melatonin to that and uh, 5-HTP to that for serotonin, which uh, concurrently will help with melatonin secretion. So the melatonin will make you fall asleep and the serotonin will keep you asleep. And of course, the growth hormone will help with that as well. And then you're nicely sedated um, so you can have nice dreams all throughout the night. Let's see, is there a titrating benefit of uh, the dose of injectable carnitine? I have tried up to one gram daily and saw good results. Better results with more. Now, so it seems that um, I think from two gram administrations, it might have a negative effect on thyroid function. I think it was two grams intravenously um, as a medical treatment for thyroid storm. I, I could be mistaken here, but that's what I remember. Two grams intravenously to prevent thyroid storm. So I would limit it to five grams uh, or not five grams, 500 milligrams per injection subcutaneously for slow and steady release, right? The injection depot is sub Q, 500 milligrams per shot up to one gram per day. Yeah. So that's all around the workout. So muscular contractions and insulin release help with uh, carnitine absorption into the cells and, and thus the mitochondria. Uh, but I think the 500 milligrams per shot sub Q does that have a negative effect on uh, thyroid function in any way, shape, or form? So that would be my recommendation. Can IGF-1 cause acid reflux or burning sensation in the throat? When I take 100 micrograms, I experience that over time, a burning sensation in my throat. Um, I have never experienced that, nor have I ever talked to anybody who has experienced that unless they're also using Trembolone anivar other oral steroids right i mean acid reflux can come from a multitude of different things so if you're running something alongside of that um that could be like compounding it like the igf1 lr3 is kind of pushing you over the edge but it was already present so luckily for you i have a video about acid reflux which got um probably suppressed by the world health organization because uh, that's of course uh, uh, advice for a medical condition so i get didn't get any views on that one, but I'm still going to link it. Uh, oh, this is cramps. <laughs> My bad. Where is it? Acid reflux. There you go. Yeah, 5,000 views. Pathetic. After a month. All right, I'll link it down below. Give that one a watch. I'm sure you'll get some additional ideas. But I don't think it's the IGF-1 LR3, but it may be compounding with something else that you're taking or eating. Uh, everything will be explained in the video. Um... Let's see. I'm considering um, increasing my cycle. Should I go from 300 tests to 400 tests on 300 tests and 100 Primo? With a mild AI two times a week, my estradiol is at 40 where I feel best. EQ is bad for me. Uh, I mean, it's up to you, dude. I mean, 100 milligrams of Primo, I would go from 300 tests to 300 tests and 300 Primo. <laughs> that would be my choice. Yeah, they say you don't need an AI. Uh, the ratio would probably give you an estradiol of around 35 to 40, right? Then you can always manipulate it later on to 400 tests and 200 primo or, or uh, 250 tests and 400, uh, three, uh, 350 primo, right? You can manipulate as you go along. Um, 
but an increase of just 100 milligrams is a 25 excuse me 25 percent increase might not be enough to really elicit like a response where you're like yes now i'm on the next tier of anabolism so uh, i would uh, add in 300 milligrams or 200 milligrams and whether that's more test or prima ball on top um yeah that's entirely up to you spicy edits hey steve have you ever had clients getting gyno from finasteride would you conclude that they're likely a higher aromatizer or include an ai if they want to hop on gear uh, i've never in my life recommended uh, finasteride to anybody <laughs> never uh, finasteride is a last resort man i mean it has so many issues with the libido and and again like you mentioned the gyno right a gyno is a side effect of finasteride because now you're inhibiting the conversion of testosterone into dihydrotestosterone and thus more testosterone is converting into estradiol. Um, so no, I, I've never put anybody on finasteride. I, I've taken plenty of guys off finasteride and, and preserved their hair, but I've never recommended anybody to take finasteride. So yeah, and if they get gyna from finasteride, then check your levels and see how you need to proceed, right? So tell them to get some fucking blood work done and then see how they need to proceed. Do they need raloxifene to block the estrogen receptors? Um, potentially, right? Do they need an aromatized inhibitor uh, to prevent the further conversion of testosterone into estradiol? Potentially. But estradiol helps with hair growth. So maybe it's not the DHT that was causing hair loss. Maybe it was the lack of estradiol and now suddenly estradiol is super high. And comparatively, you double your estradiol and thus your gyno gets sensitive. And so hair loss is a complicated thing. And I'm sick and tired of people saying that it's just DHT related. Um, it is a contributing factor, but it's very likely that you're just eating poorly and they're inflamed and they're just wearing a hat all the time, right? Or, or whatever. So all these things contribute. Uh, so I would take your client off an asteroid and really start diving into hair loss prevention strategies because I feel that minoxidil and ketoconazole at a low concentration with topical dutasteride is superior than oral finasteride. And even then, in, in, very, in a lot of cases, it's just not required. Yeah. All right. Classified Recon. Ever do a podcast with Man Medicine? It's already been recorded and will drop next week. Yeah. So I'm well ahead of you. <laughs> it's coming. Stay tuned. Big house, I see you have a lot of questions, but let's uh, save uh, some time for the other people because I see you now every five posts. Jane, uh, should I hire a coach to grow my online coaching business? How do I pick a good coach? So you're a coach and you need a coach? What? I don't get it. <laughs> I don't get it. Why, why, if you want to hire a business coach to be an online coach, maybe but i will tell you this every single day all these phony wannabes are in my inbox St steve do you need uh, me to level up your coaching business no i'm retired you stupid fuck. i make more than you do <laughs> i'm pretty sure of it because i don't do outreach i never done outreach people came to me because i was good and i put myself out there on youtube or instagram with high vol high quality content so if you want to grow your coaching business put out content and people resonate with your ideas uh, will come to you, right? And then if you need to do outreach later on to get uh, your coaching business started, go for it, go for it. But I never did outreach in my fucking life. <laughs> I never did outreach. I see all these guys doing it. They, they start, you know, 
with all these supposed business coaches. Dude, if you're good at what you're doing, people will find you. I hate to say it. I hate to say it. But if you're good at what you're doing, people will find you. So I get all these guys in my inbox. Do you need a copywriter? Do you need business advice? Do you need uh, this and that? And uh, no. No, if, if you were good at what you're doing, I would find you. <laughs> it's that simple. So I would say, no, you don't need an online business coach. Um, you know, go follow Dan Coe's uh, YouTube channel and, and get some ideas there. I mean, I get business advice from him for free because I just watch his videos. His videos are absolutely excellent. That's why we did the biohacking and or a business and biohacking podcast, which, um, you know, if you guys bring those views up, we might do another episode and uh, everything you need to know about business is out there for free, dude. Really? Or Jane this is a female, right? So Jane, <laughs> ma'am, uh, you know, just do it by yourself. And then later on, if you need some sort of a coach to help you streamline your business, um, again, you can probably get that advice for free because, you know, people will help you for free if you're good at what you're doing uh navit how to restore brain health after a blast um melatonin right it's a very potent antioxidant that uh every time it metabolizes it's still an antioxidant so look into that look into cerebral lysine for neurogenesis has brain drive neurotropic factor uh galliol uh three other ones i always forget i forget those um and, and that will be my first look so again i have several videos about this how uh not to destroy your brain from steroids uh let's see which one is it cerebral license experience let's link that one i mean the the, the most cell or the, the most brain issues that you get are uh either related to oxidative stress which goes up when you take steroids and um and excitotoxicity of, of the anabolic androgenic steroids that don't convert into estrogen. So I uh, hear brain gains. All right. These two. God, I look so big. <laughs> All right. They're added down below. So yeah, cerebral lysine, five milliliters uh, before bed for about a month, maybe two months. And uh 3, 10, 30, 100 milligrams melatonin, however high you can tolerate, because the more you take, the more of an antioxidant effect um, you would get. And melatonin also helps with growth hormone secretion. Let's see, where are we? Uh, Tone, heard of HCG headaches? Yeah, that's a possibility. I've tried three separate times to run it, but anything more than 100 IOs to times a week gave me severe migraines. On 100 milligrams of testosterone, uh, TRT, all meds from Empower Pharmacy, diet and hydration, good. So it could be that HCG has some overlap with the, the HCG receptors in your brain. Uh, I haven't really dived into it that much, but uh, your brain also has... Uh, LHCG receptors so it could be that you're just not responding well to it or or that your blood pressure is going up for whatever reason I mean that could also be the case so um yeah I don't really know what to do about this because I haven't really looked into it but it is a possibility that that you either get insomnia or anxiety or headaches in this context but I'm not entirely sure what the mechanism is why HCG causes headaches so uh it could be this topic of a separate video but the insomnia and the anxiety is more occurring than the headaches 
maybe maybe try enclomiphene for a while see if you get the headaches from that but it's probably not the most sustainable approach and then otherwise um see if your blood pressure changes when you take hcg and if that's the case then you can always mitigate the blood pressure changes with you know electrolyte intake or uh, cialis or beetroot extract or a telmasartan if you need it which i'm sure many of which uh, or which i'm sure uh, empower can prescribe or through your prescribing physician getting it from empower so yeah a multitude of different options you have um but I'm not entirely sure what the mechanism is why ATG causes headaches. Besides that, I know that ATG can interact with receptors which are in the brain and in the thyroid gland and in the testicles. No, blood pressure is excellent. Yeah, then I don't know. <laughs> then I don't know. Sorry. Tone. No, uh, no anxiety and insomnia. Sorry, this is what I wanted to answer. Uh, is Thailand the best place to get gynosurgery? Um, I mean, it's reasonably cheap compared to other places in the world. There's plenty of good gynosurgeons here. The best one uh, that I wanted to go to, uh, the hospital uh, charges extra for foreigners. So I decided not to do it. And uh, I, don't, I, I don't know, I'm not really in the right mind space to do a surgery and then sit there and, and not be able to go to the gym for a while. So, nah, I'm, I'm going to skip it. So uh if you want to come to thailand to do gynosurgery yes you can there's many good gynosurgeons here it's reasonably cheap and um you know just just don't wash the incision areas with the tap water because uh it's likely to get an infection right we don't drink the tap water here we get our water delivered so uh you can do it here um and then you know make sure you have a little bit of a holiday before you uh, get your gyno surgery because afterwards you can't really go out right you just need to sit there and then a week or two later you can fly home as is any last words what <laughs> what does he say i have four years with natural training focus powerlifting under my belt, I started 250 milligrams testosterone entate cycle. What can I expect about my strength? Can keep injecting the same dose for six months. Any last words? Oh, he's been spamming? Oh, yeah. Oh, Aziz. You're out of here. <laughs> Iron Grid, where the fuck are you? Doesn't matter here. Uh, maybe I forgot to put the banner up. I, people don't even read this anyway. So it doesn't matter how many times you say it. Uh, it doesn't matter how many times. Yeah, Aaron Grid, you're fired, dude. <laughs> you're fired. Get out of here. All right. Uh, where are we? Spamming. Mead, can I say I'm 250 milligrams testosterone for life, considering that it wasn't recommended by medical professional, just taking it for adding on more muscles? Uh, well, it's a little bit more than TRT. So I think at one point, like when you're 60, 70, 80 years old, if you're still into testosterone replacement therapy, you might, 
excuse me, you might want to lower the dose to, let's say 200 to 150 milligrams testosterone. Like most guys at one point would say, you know what? Um, it's not really worth it to me. And, and I think as you get older, you get less resilient to high testosterone levels. I mean, naturally testosterone levels decline as you age. There is a biological reason for that, even though we try to find it because we want to stay, uh, you know, vital and rejuvenated and, and of course, uh, have a good workout and a good pump. So uh, in, in the gym and in the bedroom, huh? if you didn't get it yet. Um, so I would say, uh, yes, you can take it until it's time to reduce the dose. But I, I, and I know guys that have been on testosterone for like 40 years, you know, so, uh, you know, I think uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger and uh, Robbie Williams, um, not Robbie Williams, Robbie Robinson, <laughs> Robbie Robinson, I think all those guys are on a little bit of test, man, uh, but not 250, probably like 150 or maybe 100, you know, so I think it's very sustainable, but at one point you might have to lower the dose as you age, right, and time will tell. Time will tell. Uh, let's see. Yeah. J. Joe, I was thinking you're with your girlfriend. Yeah. Iron Grid always has to bounce for his girlfriend. It's probably getting busy. That's why I missed it. Uh, let's see. Hun Powerlifter. Hey, Steve, would you add in growth hormone plus insulin and mit uh, slash metformin to a TRT plus HCD protocol to improve health, but keep the gains as much as possible? No, I would add in um, the growth hormone first, give that some time, and then the insulin only is needed because, I mean, how much gains can you expect on TRT, HCG, and growth hormone? Um, I don't think you need insulin with that, and metformin, I don't think it's good for health. <laughs> all the research that I do, all the longevity data, it's it's kind of falling apart. You know, it sounded good on paper in the beginning, but I think metformin is highly overrated, highly overrated. And if you don't believe me, watch the latest podcast with Peter Atia and Huberman. They had an excellent breakdown of um, why it's uh, no longer as good as uh, exercise foreman. Let me link that uh, down below. Uh, is that Journal Club? Is this the one? Oh, that's in Uberman. I need to wonder where he sits down. Google search function is ass, no? I mean, I type in all the right, right keywords. I got Peter Tia, Uberman, and Metformin, and I can't fucking find it. All right, let me go to Uberman's. Uh... Where is it? Oh, it's Derek is right there. Good old Derek on Peter Atia, the end boss of endocrinology. <laughs> All right, go watch this video. I got it linked down below. Metformin sucks. End of story. Works good if you have a cheat meal. Uh, so no, I would do a TRT plus HG, right? To overall uh, improve overall health. And then add in growth hormone for a little bit more gains. And then if you really eat a lot of food and, um, you know, blood glucose levels are starting to rise, but it's not because of loss of insulin sensitivity, but it's because your pancreas is kind of failing or you're not on enough testosterone to promote insulin sensitivity, there may be a little bit of insulin around the workout or low dose long acting insulin upon waking, but metformin, no way, man. It just makes you flat. 
it just makes you flat. I think metformin has its place for intermittent use, but not for daily use. Mm. No way. Steve's right. God, every time I see Steve streaming, I'm with my girl. Well, it's Saturday, right? So Saturday is wifey day. Steve pulling me away from pussy. Yeah, I think he knows best. Well, at least you have a capability to learn something new now. Right? Unless you read the Kamar Sutra every weekend and you're doing something new with your girlfriend, then let me know, man. I'll find another editor. <laughs> and if you got to get your pumps in every Saturday while I'm live streaming, I'm not going to cock block, but I do need an editor or a moderator to keep these dildos at bay. All right, if you had unlimited budget and time, uh, what would you do to max out skin health and youthfulness? Um, I would go live somewhere where it's tropical, chicked, right? but on the beach, I'm not there yet. Uh, of course, if you have unlimited budget and time, you don't have to work anymore. So I would live somewhere where it's nice and humid. That's good for skin health and youthfulness, but I would not go so much in the skin because of course, tanning makes you old and it, you risk skin cancer if you do too much. Uh, glutathione, NAD plus, doing that already. Uh, eating healthy, doing that already. Fish oil, vitamin E, doing that already. Uh, collagen. Uh, just a general, you know, low inflammatory diet and low inflammatory state. And of course, you get inflammation by listening to guys like Ryan Russo or Victor Black or Jordan Oakley, right? Those guys, just, if you want youthful skin, just avoid those fuckers and just avoid it. It's not good for your health and not good for your skin and definitely not good to look youthful, right? So avoid all the drama at all costs. And, um, and then, yeah, I, I think that that would be best. You know, and it, but if you have unlimited budget, you basically don't have to work, and it's stress that you know that makes you look old as well. So, yeah, one day, guys, is Bitcoin at uh, two hundred fifty thousand yet? I mean, let me check the charts. Damn, still at thirty eight thousand nine hundred. Maybe we should FOMO back in. Eventually, it'll be at two hundred fifty thousand, but it's not going fast enough. So I'm going to trade back and forth. And then I can exit at 125,000. <laughs> D block, don't do it, man. Don't spam. Don't do it. Uh, how would one switch from 125 milligrams testosterone uh, per week to two jabs a week to subcutaneous? Well, you could just do the same jab subcutaneous from intramuscular. But if you want to do it every week or every day, well, let's whip out the calculator. One, two, five divided by seven. All right, as uh, 17.85 milligrams per week. So let's say you do 18 milligrams, and if the testosterone inotate at 250 milligrams for one milliliter, uh, let's see, oh yeah, one divided by 250 times 18 is 0 0.07 milliliters, or seven I use on the insulin syringe, sub-Q every single day. All right, good luck, make it so. Sultan, hey Steve, the, why does five milligrams Cialis give me bad chest pains? How can I mitigate this issue? Uh, are you talking about chest pain or are you talking about acid reflux? Because if you have chest pain uh, from the vasodilating effects, then I would recommend you not to take Cialis and do some um, cardiac imaging uh, to see if you have uh, any underlying issues because that shouldn't happen. Now, if you have acid reflux, 
watch the acid reflux video, right? Because Cialis can alter your gut uh, acid, uh, gut acidity levels, and you need to increase your gut acidity levels with apple cider vinegar and eating a little bit better. But if it has chest pains to the point that it's in your heart and a uh, heartburn, right? Heartburn is in the esophagus from acid reflux and actual chest pain is in the heart. Um, stop the Cialis and, uh, and get some imaging done because that doesn't sound good to me. Yeah. Let's see. RC. Steve, have you ever tried Tessamorellin? Uh, yes, I have. I didn't really raise my growth hormone or IGF-1 levels that much. So, um, the, you know, I, I stick with uh, Serrano's. Does it have any uh, value VAT reducing? Value added tax? What does VAT? Uh, RC, specify. What, what do you mean with VAT? I'm a financial guy. What I read it as uh, value added tax, which is despicable. VAT abbreviation. Okay, all all roads lead to value added tax. <laughs> uh, visceral fat. All right, next time just type that out. So let's read it again. Does Tessamorella have any visceral fat reducing effects for people uh, not on anti-HIV medications? How's it versus regular growth hormone? Uh, I don't think that the growth hormone or any growth hormone security guard can actually reduce visceral fat. You're just going to have to start starve that off by fasting. Fasting has been shown to reduce visceral fat, but Tessamorellin, growth hormone, I think that's very inconclusive, really. Even clenbuterol and ephedrine, I don't think they have a pronounced effect, um, pronounced effect on uh, visceral fat levels. So just if you want to get the visceral fat off, eat better and fast a week or at least two days. It seems that visceral fat starts to go away after two days and then it goes away. And if you want to take some tessamorellin to improve sleep quality, or to get a slight anabolic effect on top of the testosterone replacement therapy that you're taking or a little bit more youthful skin, then go right ahead. How does it compare to growth hormone? I think Tessamorellin will give you one to two IUs of growth hormone comparatively. And if you want more than that, uh, you need to go exogenous growth hormone and start pitting that. Yeah. Superphysiological dad, curious on if regular blood donations with a normal red blood cell count have, has any health benefits. Uh, I mean, if your blood is full with toxic mercury, maybe, <laughs> or other toxins. But no, I don't think it's necessary. You know, I mean, people say that they feel healthier after donating. It's because their blood pressure is so freaking high and they literally take the blood out and reducing their blood pressure. So does they feel less flushed and less pressure and less, um, you know, uh, just side effects associated with blood pressure. They feel cleaner, quote unquote, but it's just blood pressure. So if your blood pressure is in a range and you have normal red blood cell count, I don't think you need to do blood donations. But if you have high uh, mercury levels or other heavy metals in the bloodstream, um, you know, EDTH chelation therapy or um, what is it called? Uh, hemodialysis really get it out uh, that might be the way to go to but i think for healthy people i don't think there's any additional benefits to donate blood unless you want to give it to somebody who's not healthy then at least for peace of mind 
and um, sense of well-being that you're giving back or giving um, healthy blood to another individual who needs it for blood transfusion purposes, then then I think it has health benefits because it's good for your karma. Right? You're building up some merit. And then uh, if you go into the afterlife um, and all your good deeds will be measured against your bad deeds, then uh, maybe uh, you score a couple points there. Let's see. Man, I'm getting sleepy. All right. We still got 30 minutes to go. Shit. Uh, Steve, <laughs> some live stream support. Thank you very much. Much appreciated, big bicep. Man, those biceps are a while ago. Uh, if uh, uh, also interested learning about uh, HCG used from your videos and lives. Uh, so some discussion and deep dives are more than welcome. What about HCG? Yeah, that will be at the part of the membership section. But first, I got to go through all the steroids. Uh, so eventually, it will be an HCG deep dive and a growth hormone deep dive and an insulin deep dive, but it will be at a higher tier because insulin is uh, risky. And if you can't afford uh, $100 for an insulin ebook, then you shouldn't really be using it. And it's the same for the membership section. So, um, yeah, we're just going to go through it eventually. But an HCG deep dive will eventually be at part of the membership section. All right. For sure. Let's see, Iron Grid, a little update, Steve. A stream or two ago, I asked about uh, GLP-1s. I decided to go with semaglutide because injection frequency is 0.5 milligrams per week. I feel fucking great. I will definitely try lyroglutide next cut. Uh, try to split it up. Yeah, 0.5 milligrams is okay once per week. But if you go a little bit higher, right, at one point, you'll start to notice that the appetizing uh, suppressing effects go away. And then instead of going one milligram per week, I would go to 0.5 milligrams twice per week, splitting up the dose because from one milligram per week, man, you get fucking nauseous, dude. Ugh. No way. So, yeah. Yeah, so uh, look for all the deep dives. But again, I mean, the, the, the membership section will be a tremendous undertaking. So please give me some time, right? Don't start bugging me like, when is it done? When is it done? When is it done? I already started drafting. I think I got about 25 pages worth of content. Uh, but it will probably be, well, I mean, Anabolics 11th edition is like 300 pages. No, that's even more. I think it's 1,000 pages. Um, but of course, a lot of that is redundant. Um, because I mean, you know, you have steroid profiles for nandrolone like seven different times <laughs> and testosterone like 10 different times. So that's not really required. Uh, I think the Anabolics 11th edition can be compressed into like 500 pages, half the size. Uh, so yeah, let's see. Stay tuned. I'll keep you guys posted. Thoughts on Gary Brecca. Who the hell is that? Gary Brecca, biologist. Oh, wait, isn't that that guy that uh, already got destroyed a couple times? Yeah, no, I no. <laughs> he's in the news because he does some, oh, yeah, he does DNA stuff, right? Oh, he's in Tom Bilyeu. Man, it's not a flattering picture. Yeah, I don't know. Damn, he looks creepy. If you go to Tom Bilyeu, Tell me, tell me if I'm wrong. Tell me if I'm wrong. I, I, I don't know you, Gary, but I'm not trying to hate, but this is just my observation. Go to Tom Bolio's, uh video with Gary Brecca and then just watch him without audio. Looks like he wants to suck my blood. <laughs> oh, 
Uh, I got to turn it off. I'm gonna get, otherwise, I'm going to get nightmares. <laughs> oh, he's the one uh helped Dana White not die. Okay. Well, at least he did something right. No, but I have no idea who the fuck this guy is. So maybe he's smart. Uh, maybe he's super cool. But it's... Uh, I, I just... <laughs> You know, the longer I do this, the less I listen to other people, man. I just, I'm in a position where I'm, I'm more than capable of figuring everything out by myself. And, um, you know, since I really have to focus attention on videos, I don't want to be distracted. So whatever other people are saying, I don't really care. You know, if, if, if something is important, it will be brought to my attention and then I'll do research to make it my own and um you know turn that research that information into experience and gain knowledge and then whatever gary brecker has to say or peter atia has to say or uberin has to say it's just extra on top yeah yeah perpetual self-improvement that's what i'm all about but i don't need anybody to guide me in that direction as arrogant as that sounds uh all right go up 40 milligrams iqtane and 10 milligrams anivar per day if the blood work is okay is there any problem in mixing in two earls 300 milligrams testosterone base so you're taking accutane and anivar but they're metabolized through completely different pathways um and it, there might be something to say for having a little bit of anivar with your accutane because accutane kind of inhibits collagen synthesis and anivar promotes that right i mean accutane is known to thin the skin i'm sure you feel that your thin is significantly skinner and more brittle on accutane and the anivar might mitigate that to a certain extent so um, if your liver enzymes are in range and you're taking Tutka and N-acetylcysteine and some collagen supplements and vitamin C, um, and you keep monitoring your health and overall, uh, mental health also, right? Because Accutane is known to kind of suppress your mental health to a certain extent, then I think it's okay. Yeah, then I think it's okay. I mean, Accutane is a horrible drug, but if you really need to kill your acne, um, then this is probably the last option that you have. What's your views on this stack for focus? Lion's mane, 99% Macuna purines, Ginkgo biloba, uh, Polygala. Uh, not familiar with that. Vitamin B6, P5P. Uh, that's okay. I mean, we'll go over all of that when we get to part three of the Entrepreneur Nootropic Deep Dive. But um, I mean, Ginkgo biloba has some blood thinning overlap. Right, and Macquarie Prurines, um, man, I already forgot. Lion's <laughs> man, I didn't include. So, I mean, if it works, it works. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, that's all I'm going to say. Alex, uh, currently taking 300 milligrams ubiquinol, 400 milligrams ATP, 40 milligrams PQQ, 500 milligrams shilajit fulvic acid, 4 grams creatine, Vitamin C, 1,000 milligrams, 500 milligrams, circestrone, so that's a 10% extract, actually 50 milligrams, and 2.5 milligrams anivar pre-workout. Anything else I should add? Uh, injectable uh, amino asylum stampede? <laughs> yeah, and take the, the 400 milligrams ATP out? No, but this sounds fucking good to me. Uh, this sounds really, really good to me. Yeah, this <laughs> sounds fucking legendary to me. Uh, you can look into, um, what is that, uh, mushroom extract? 
Man, I forgot the name. It's also, it's like a Peak 02. Yeah, it's like uh, six adoptogenic mushrooms. And it helps also with oxygen utilization and work capacity. I was added to my pre-workout. I haven't really done much of a pre-workout myself besides um, uh, 400, besides ubiquinol and uh, uh, occasionally 400 milligrams ATP because, you know, I'm, uh, I don't want to train too hard because otherwise I don't recover. <laughs> yeah. So I would look into peak O2, add that in, and uh, injectable uh, amino asylum stampede. I mean, there's nothing like that. You can take the ATP out. The 400 milligrams peak ATP from muscle tech. You can take that out. And uh, I think that's a pretty good stack. And then maybe, I mean, Gorilla Mode Nitric is always good. Half a scoop, a whole scoop. I mean, contains citrulline malate and um, what is it? A um, couple other ingredients. Man, what is it? What is a fucking ingredient called? Gorilla Mode. Nitric. Nitrites. That's the one. Man, I should know this shit. God, it's getting late. What is in there? All right, here. Sodium helps. Uh, glycerol pump, right? Glycerol. That's a good addition. Agmentine helps with focus. And uh, sodium nitrite. Although, that you know, if you start doing some research, then it might not be the best approach. Uh, depending on the research nitrites oh no well i think there's worse things you can take maybe i should do like a video about how to spike your gorilla mode nitric maybe that's a good idea how to spike your gorilla mode nitric with ubiquinol muscle tech peak atp pqq shellagit fulvic acid uh peak o2 and uh well antivartic estrone i mean it's not really indirectly would help yeah in there and then the amino asylum stampede so I just put it all together and then your muscles will a little be like bowling balls everywhere yeah cordyceps yeah also yeah yeah could also help albeit that i feel that most of the extracts are very very low i mean cordyceps are highly expensive and um and uh you know most of most of the extracts are kind of low i mean there's one guy in here sometimes that has extracts of cordyceps at a very high potency uh cordyceps high potency but most of the products out there are kind of low because it's just a very expensive product like like doctor's best for example cordyceps extract and it's eight percent the fuck or zero yeah 0 0.28 percent adenosine it's just gonna make you sleepy <laughs> excuse me man i don't know what i ate today but i'm fucking burpy and hiccup all the time fuck all right yeah go to the contra f source list not for uh cordyceps though but for sourcing questions sam red vlogs uh how do i keep dht in check on cycle uh finasteride detastrides uh you know x emoji okay so we have a reishi mushroom extract. <laughs> Can't even pronounce it. Reishi mushroom extract, salt palmetto, and pygium. Those are all able to reduce uh, 
DHT conversion by inhibiting the 5-alpha reductase enzymes. And uh, well, otherwise, you keep your dose of testosterone so low um, that you switch for the rest of the anabolism from nandrolone, right? I mean, that's why we have the nandrolone-only cycle. You take maybe 50 milligrams, 100 milligrams testosterone per week or HCG monotherapy or just supplemental DHEA and pregnenolone, which converts ultimately to testosterone, estradiol, and, and diuretestosterone. And then you get all of your anabolism from nandrolone, you know? But again, I don't think that DHT is the sole reason why people get bald. I think it's just inflammatory states, poor micronutrient intake, um, poor hygiene, right? All these things contribute. So uh, if you get all of that out of the way and DHT levels are still high, then uh, supplements like reishi mushroom extract, uh, supplemental and pygium might help. And um, let's see. And then there's always a low cycle, low dose testosterone cycle with nandrolone uh, on top of that because boldenone, dihydroboldenone, masterone, primo, anivar, DC derivatives in general, and trimbolone, tristolone uh, all potentiate hair loss. So the only thing that's technically hair safe. And I don't think it's hair safe, but it just slows the rate of hair loss uh, so significantly to the point you don't notice it. And 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 so slow that you can actually regrow it with minoxidil and that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, and that's an androlone. So that's your only option. But, I mean, it's not the end of the world, dude. It's not the end of the world. All right. Because the questions are done. I guess we are done. Let's see. Anything else fun to answer? Coach, what is the smallest dose of daily anivar that one would add to a normal testosterone replacement therapy and see benefits? 5 milligrams, 2.5 milligrams. I mean, let's say if you're on 150 milligrams per week, and you add in 2.5 milligrams of anivar, 2.5 times 7 uh, plus 150, you go from 150 to 170. I mean, how many gains is that? I don't know. No, wait, wrong side. Uh, 15. I mean, it's 13% gains, right? Was it? Yeah, but yeah, about 115, 15% uh, gains. So uh, give it a try, run it for like a month, and then bump it up to five milligrams. Run that for a month, and 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 see if you notice more of a difference. But any extra steroids that you take on top of your TRT, of course, you're going to make more progress. So, I mean, I I'm not against TRT with five milligrams anivar per day year round. I'm not against five milligrams anivar for women year round. Um, you know, if they do everything right to sustain their menstrual cycle, right? Then it's in the context of trying to at least make money online or uh, being a competitor, right? So, you know, if you're just taking anivar for the fuck of it and you're not making any money off your physique, then I'm going to do it. Um, but, you know, because androgen burden is, of course, a risk. But yeah, I mean, if you're getting a monetized incentive out of it or you really love lifting, Right, and again, you're keeping track of your, uh, you know, your fertility uh, organs. Then I'm not against it. Let's see what is next. What is next?
Are there any potential sexual side effects from taking EP EQ at around 600 milligrams per week? I mean, your estrogen, if you're talking about EQ, right? Is the P next to the Q? <laughs> no. EQ, yeah, okay. Nice work. All right. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, boldenone can raise estrone levels and lower estradiol levels. So now the balance between estrone and estradiol is off. And, um, and that's not very favorable for your libido. So, you know, that could happen, but I rarely hear people talk about sexual side effects from boldenone or from uh, equipoise. I mostly hear that from nandrolone or, um, you know, sometimes anadrol, but it also rarely happens. So it's usually the nandrolone that really causes sexual side effects. And, but that also doesn't happen for everybody. And then boldenone, I mean, it can happen. Let's say if you're taking boldenone in the caloric deficit, is it the boldenone that's cueing your lipids or your, your estrogen uh, balance uh, and, and does uh, ruin your libido? Or is it the, the lack of calories, right? I mean, libido is more multifactorial. And that's why I made videos about it. So you have all the information that you uh, need to make uh, good decisions going forward. And, uh, but yeah, it, it, it could be a possibility, but uh, please check your blood work before adding in the boldenone, then four weeks into your boldenone at 600 milligrams per week and see how skewed your estrone and estradiol levels got, right? And then decide how you want to proceed accordingly. Yeah. Let's see. I guess we're kind of done through the questions. Oh, here's a fun one. Uh, how's life in Bangkok for bodybuilders? It's fucking great. It's fucking great. Yeah, steroids in the pharmacy, good food. Cheesecake Factory is opening up tomorrow, uh, Monday, but we're going to go on Saturday next week. Um, I work remote and I'm looking to move abroad to a more affordable country where I also won't have a problem procuring what I need to cycle. Uh, yeah, so uh, uh, Bangkok, uh, Thailand is uh, basically the best place to live as a bodybuilder, honestly. Uh, the traffic is a bit shit, it's a little bit congested, you know, the air quality isn't the greatest. Um, but Bangkok, um, people wise, is less toxic compared to Pattaya. Uh, I would say Pattaya, I feel, is a bit toxic. Uh, regarding the people, it's a lot of weirdos there. Um, and again, there's a lot of cool, in, uh, cool individuals. Don't get me wrong, but you know, if I stay at the Muscle Factory Patia or Elite, uh, you know, Elite Training, I mean, I just feel there's too many weird people there. So I, I wouldn't stay there long term. You know, you go there, you have fun, and you get the fuck out. And Bangkok is a good place to live. Phuket allegedly is a good place if you stay on the uh, the north. East, has, uh, the east side of the island, so not at the west side where Patong is. And then, uh, I mean, Chiang Mai is supposedly nice, but then you have the chance to run into a Victor Blackmail. And then you will uh, be bombarded with, uh, you know, uh, proclaims that he's the best uh, thing to the fitness industry. So, I mean, do you really want to be surrounded with guys like that? All right, so Bangkok and Phuket, and Phuket on the east side, Phuket Town, uh, Bang Tao area, and, and, you know, where all the Muay Thai gyms are, there's a couple of boutiques experience all the serious guys live in bangkok and uh this is why i'm here right so we got a good community here man so if you're an entrepreneur you work, or you work online uh come pop up into the muscle factory once in a while and come say hi uh, i meet people there all the time and most of the people that pass through the muscle factory in bangkok cool as shit yeah so feel free to join and become a part of the wallpaper <laughs> yeah
Let's see. Here we go. Uh, how to lower your hematocrit without donating blood? Fasting. Yeah. Fasting can get you one or two points off your hematocrit. And, uh, and otherwise, you're going to have to come off cycle and wait three months. Yeah. Yeah, that's basically it. That is basically it. So, that is the way. Uh, Kate, welcome to the Vigorous Crew, buddy. Nice job. Rogu, how can I gain knowledge as you? How can I become Steve 2.0? Well, there's no Steve 2.0 until I have a kid. Uh, and uh, my kid will obviously not be called Steve. <laughs> Can't have two Steves in the house. It's too much Steves. Um, how can you become as knowledgeable? Well, just spend 25 years of your life uh, researching. Yeah, and then also coaching people to get to a higher truth because at one point you realize that the research is far from conclusive and doesn't apply to real-world applications because um, there's probably like 10, 10 or 20 studies performed on bodybuilders in total, right? Using performance-enhancing drugs. Uh, I should index them at one point, but then it will be an hour-long video and nobody has time for that, right? All studies performed on bodybuilders. And then all those guys interpreting scientific evidence from, uh, you know, people with diabetes or grannies. And yeah, then you guys will realize that they're kind of stupid, right? We can extrapolate from the scientific evidence, but it, it's not hard data until you get your hands dirty and um, make it relevant for bodybuilders. So sometimes people say, Steve is not evidence-based. Yeah, I'm experience-based. Yeah, and that wins. Yeah, that's why I have 100,000 subscribers here and you do not. <laughs> Sorry to say it. <laughs> Experience-based wins, man, when it comes to this kind of subject. So uh, uh, spend 25 years of your life researching and getting your hands dirty through self-experimentation and uh, guiding people through a higher truth. And then you can be the next thing. Yeah. And then by the time I'll already be gone. Yeah. All right. Let's do uh, no more super chats, guys. No more super chats. There you go. I put it on. Oh, oh, Martin. Oh, man, you got it in so fast, right? Second question. How much caffeine do you consume daily and how late? Uh, this is included in the Entrepreneur Tropic Deep Dive uh, Part 2, Chapter 2, where I go into adenosine acetylcholine discussion. So long story short, I take uh, one cup of coffee in the morning, one cup of coffee in the afternoon. And then uh, if I record videos, I instead of my second cup of coffee, I take Gorilla Mind Respawn, which has about 200 milligrams caffeine and hydrous. And uh, on Saturday at 11 o'clock, which is like five hours before going to bed, I take my Respawn so I can be cognitive for you guys. But sometimes I'm a little bit tired because I've been working all day as I am tired right now. That's why we're going to close it off soon. Um, and uh, yeah, and that's pretty late in the day. So I take my uppers before the vigorous Q&A and I take my downers after the vigorous Q&A. The uppers are Gorilla Mind Respawn and the downers are Gorilla Dream. Yeah, with 10 milligrams extra melatonin and 100 milligrams extra 5-HTP. And then I go to bed about an hour later. Yeah, so, well, one and a half hours. I go to bed at 4 a.m. Okay, last question from Kate because you just became a member. Uh, why do you hate SARMs as much as you do? Does your opinion change if I if you use them on TRT's Austrian example? So I just promised everybody that eventually I'll make a, a video about how to use SARMs safely, even though I don't like SARMs because there's no scientific evidence to show that they're um, safe at any dose. All of them failed clinical trials. 
I think the people that buy SARMs are lazy to do research. Honestly, I think I think people that use SARMs are just lazy. I know Austrian is easy to acquire, uh, but it, people who care about their health, they do a little bit more research. They do TRT, and then instead of Austrian, they go with Anavar, which you have thousands of research papers to go through to confirm to yourself that it's healthy and what you need to, or in, in certain contexts, uh, and what you need to do to mitigate side effects to keep yourself healthy. Whereas with uh, Austrian, the evidence isn't there, right? So even though I'm not technically evidence-based, uh, from my experience, having used Austrian and many of the SARMs that are available, um, nothing compares to Anavar. Nothing. So why the fuck bother? Why, why bother with SARMs when you can take Anavar and know what to do to use that safely? All right, guys, we're going to wrap it up here. Uh, oh, last one. Is Wahin a good place for bodybuilders to live? Yeah, Wahin is pretty good, pretty laid back. It's like patio without the the toxicity, but there's a lot of old dudes that live there. So if you're a young guy, um, it might not be exciting enough for you. But there's a couple of good restaurants. They have a nice walking street. Uh, of course, they have a big fat road with not too many police checks, unlike patio. Uh, so if you want to drive a motorbike, they've got a great um, water park, Vana Nava, it's called. They got a, bit, a pretty big gym around that area. Uh, the beaches are nicer than patio. Um, and there's a couple uh, outlet stores along the way to Bangkok in case you want to do some cheap shopping. So, yeah. All right, that's it. Let's wrap it up there, guys. Thanks, guys, so much for watching. Uh, two and a half hours. Somehow I made it uh, done. Sorry for not being so lively. So do yourself a solid and watch the beginning of this video, right, about job openings, um, about uh, the collaborations I did with uh, Mark Bell, Right over at Mark Bell Super Training, and uh, let's see, uh, and all the uh, all the links to all the YouTube videos and all the publications and all the other stuff that I mentioned in this video. Right, it's all linked down below. All right, guys, take it easy. Um, I'll see you guys next weekend, and Monday will be the Entrepreneur a Nootropic Deep Dive uh, Part Two, Chapter One. Um, about how to balance your mood and relaxation neurotransmitters. Enjoy. There will be one chapter every week. All right, guys, peace out. See you guys next weekend. Enjoy.